Hey, listeners, animation aficionados will be recording a Slayers episode in late August or early September. Between now and then, we want you to send us a recording of yourself doing the Naga laugh. The most outrageous laugh or laughs will be played on the show. Send an MP3 of yourself to neil at animationaficionados.com. The Webcast Beacon Network has been covering and promoting creativity and the creative process since 2007, starting with the Webcomic Beacon, a topical webcomics podcast with a jovial bunch of misfits like your local morning radio show. Also, the Webcomic Beacon Newscast, recaps, reviews, and discussions of community and industry news relative to comic creators, especially of digital distribution. Also, the Tropecast, the ever-tangential discussion of literary and visual memes. And finally, Web Fiction World. Before webcomics, there was independent and self-published web-release written fiction and literature. Find this all at webcastbeacon.com. Be sure to grab a master RSS feed or master iTunes feed and not miss a thing. I'm sorry, if it doesn't say Coca-Cola, it is not a goddamn Coke. Okay, I forgot. Because if somebody asks me for... the pop up there where you live. Soda, pop. pop, cola, I'll accept all three of those. In Texas, it's all Coke. It's not Coke because I see Pepsi products. In Texas, it's all Coke. You're lying. You're everyone lying to yourselves. And everyone in here. You're lying to yourselves. As my a, brain shorted out when she said free. So. Oh, good. <laughs> I saved you from our seat. Thanks. <laughs> so I'm just going to go ahead and start this because we're already past the start time and nobody else is here. So uh, we're at. Uh, we're at StripCon, the Dallas Webcomics Expo, and uh, it's apparently year four. Yep. Yes. Year four. four. And uh, this is our attempt at doing a podcasting panel, and I guess I'm going to be sort of running the show, but I'm going to try not to overtake it, because I don't think that's fair. But uh, let's go ahead and introduce the people we have in our panel over here on the left. I'm Adam. I'm from Radcast. R-A-D-D-C-A-S-T. Check it out. We do video and audio podcasts, cons... Any basic nerd stuff, comic books, movies, everything. So that's kind of our show. Alrighty. And you, sir? I'm Ben of Animation Aficionados, uh, animationaficionados.com. We talk about uh, animation mostly, uh, cartoons, anime, anything is fair game. We, we, whatever, one of our format is a round table, so we'd like to get guests to come in. Anyone who listens who's interested, just tell us and we'll bring you on the show. That's, that's what we do. And we're we're actually thinking of starting a second podcast called Comic Connoisseurs about comic books. So we're going to do a test run first, see how it runs, and then go from there. All right. And you? Uh, my name's Kyle. I actually have two shows. I produce a web series called The Tech Hard Show, which we talk about tech and, and the idiotic cultures that some people do. And then also nerd you know, stuff like you know comics and games and stuff. But I also do another show, audio podcast called MC Square, where it's music, culture, comedy. And we talk about everything from music, you know, and, and just like like last time we talked about the Olympics and, you know, the new Tron series. And so we, we're, we're over four guys. We'll have guests on the show from other series, too. But we just kind of like, you know, hit the thing. We do skits and everything. But, you know, it's just basically just trying to make, you know, make an enjoyable show that people can laugh at. The whole thing but both shows is really about nerd culture. So. All right. And you? And I'm Rick Gutierrez of the United States of Geekdom, UnitedStatesOfGeekdom.com. Uh, I also run a Disney show called uh, Rediscovering the Magic, where we just talked about all 51 current animation, uh, Disney feature animation uh, films. Awesome. 
and uh, I'm Fess, who I work on the Webcast Beacon Network, which we got Webcomic Beacon Podcast. Guess what we talk about? Uh, also, there's a web fiction show and a comic book review show, and just a lot of stuff there, and so I'm just going to leave it at that. So, um, normally when I do these, these podcast uh, uh, panels, I usually start off for, hey, how do you start a podcast? But uh, let's let's just go down the line and ask uh, how did you get into how did you get into podcasting and uh, tell us about a little bit of your journey. Uh, I had all this studio recording equipment that uh, I used to be a musician, so I have all this gear. Thought I'd start doing a podcast and talk about stuff I like. So that's kind of how I got started. Did you have any uh, podcasts that you were familiar with that kind of inspired you to do anything in particular or? No, nothing that I like. I, I at the time I'd listen to like uh, like Smodcast and stuff like that, like when it first started years ago. So I I already knew how to do most of the stuff, so I just knew which direction I wanted to go in, and I didn't really have any kind of inspiration for it. I just wanted to do it. So there there wasn't anything that inspired me to do it. I just like, hey, I want to do this. So. All right. Did you did you find the 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 venture a little bit more confusing, or did you already pretty much know where to basically publish a podcast online? No, I had to find that out, but um, it's really not that hard to go and look up the information. <laughs> so you can you know you can figure out how to make an RSS feed. So what do you presently use for your uh, internet distribution method? Uh, well, I have a couple that I go through. I have, we we do our show in both video and audio format. So we have Blip TV that we use for video, which will also distribute to like YouTube and, and other places. Uh, and then for um, the audio portion, uh, I use FeedBurner for my RSS feed, and then that feed goes to uh, Stitcher Radio and iTunes. And then a bunch of other stuff that I know it goes out to, but I don't know everywhere it goes out to. Okay. All right. And uh, Ben, uh, what's... Uh... Same question for you. How did you decide that you wanted to talk to everybody? Well, it was simple. It's just I wanted to do something, and I wanted to do something where I could be myself. The biggest, the biggest reason why I wanted to do a podcast was I like having interesting conversations with like-minded people or people who even disagree with me. The best way to do that is to get my voice heard. And I'm very familiar with that aspect of yourself. Well, yes, I know, and uh, <laughs> and uh, you can check out the Animation Aficionados uh, episode, uh, Defending Teen Titans, where, where me and Neil own Fess's ass about In, in your opinion, I, I am pretty <laughs> sure there are fans that will highly disagree with that. Oh, it, At it, least was, it was epic own it. I will totally defend the first two seasons for sure. After that, I'll give you a little bit, but... Anyway, it was it was it was it was, a, it was an amazing show. You should check it out. So so where where what are you doing for your distribution method for online? Well, we have an RSS feed. Obviously, we also we also have going to iTunes and Zoom. So which is going to change things to the Xbox Live something or other. I don't know why Microsoft is changing the branding on that. But but basically, it was very simple to set up. You know, it's all you really need is Skype a Skype recording program and. And a good set of headphones. I have a pair of headphones that's uh, that's actually Ben Heck uh, branded, and everyone knows who Ben Heck is, right? Right, right. Um, what are you hosting on for your uh, actual MP3 files for your podcast? Just my regular web space, and that is on GoDaddy. GoDaddy. All right. Did you mention where you're hosting your podcast files? Uh, we do use GoDaddy, but I wouldn't recommend it. All right. 
Uh, we'll probably talk a little bit more about that specifically later. We're just doing a little bit more introductions. And you, sir, um, how did you decide that you wanted to do your particular podcast? Um, I actually kind of started because of working my master's and also I teach uh, media production classes up at UTD. And so it's like I've been teaching, you know, teaching people about video and audio. And so um, being around with the whole being around the whole you know, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> social media and like i work with the wordpress groups and everything um i kind of uh, one the tech hard show i kind of got brought in as originally as the intern but we were doing that at my friend mark's place and then we got hooked up to a national studio in addison called live with lobster studios and now and now i produce like we're operating a tricaster every uh tuesday night we live stream on uh justin.tv and then we take the feed and we uh we put it on uh blib.tv but we also go through lipson and we, you know it gets distributed as mp4 you know all the video stuff and then with the uh, audio with MC Square, my uh, best friend Kern used to be an audio engineer for Cumulus Radio, so he had all the equipment. So he has a mixer and everything. So we just hooked up the laptops, headphones, and we just kind of go from there. And uh, we're actually uh, hosting on Podomatic.com, which uh, is another place you can. And then basically, they, you know, they have like for a minimal fee every month. They'll even get up to like two gigs, two and a half gigs of storage. And then after that, you have to use like a backup, like Lipsync, which is like one of the bigger like hosting to backup categories. So you can. Just dump it there, and people can go back and you know all the bigger like a small cast, uh, the Nerdist uh, podcast, they're all in Lipson, so that's like where you can go back and. Hear so back. you got a monthly allotment that you're allowed to upload, and then and then, and then after you get that limit, then you have to have something that, that basically you dump into, and even that itself, you should pay minimal fee there, and uh, you can all, you get like maybe two gigs. But the good thing about Lipson is, as you um, get to the end of the month, it dumps it back, and so you, then you got a whole free space again, so it can right. all your audio. But you know, it's just you know, it, it sometimes because people the idea is that after a month you're not really going to be having a lot of hits on those exactly, older ones exactly, yeah. so that's the idea it, it's really it's only if you get new listeners and they want to go back and listen to the past episodes that's where you're going to go find people you know right those ones, so. all right uh what was that uh hosting site again uh lips and uh, well podomatic.com for uh the audio but the, the main one if you want like to keep all your stuff in backlog lipson.com okay all right now moving on to the guy in the end here all right. Uh, I originally started with a podcast called Amazing Comic Cast. Actually, no, strike that. I started with a show called Vader Cast. Uh, I wanted, which was a Star Wars podcast, uh, where I met my uh, my co-hosts for uh, USG. Um, I wanted to do more, and um, basically, with the frustration that I had uh, with with uh, with not enough episodes being recorded and not enough stuff coming out, I was getting bored. I was, you know, it was in my blood. I wanted to do more. I started Amazing Comic Cast. Um, one of my biggest inspirations in podcasting was, uh, the Hollywood saloon. And, uh, I, I struck up a friendship with one of the guys and he said, you know, you're talking about more than just comics on your show. Why not do a full, you know, like, like an all geek topic show and, uh, you know, United States of Geek that was born. Uh, I go through uh, Podbean, and, uh, they, they've been, they've been wonderful. like a small fees, like 10 bucks a month, something like that. And uh, that's that's been that's been uh, how I'm distributing. Do they have a like a limited per month upload thing, or is it just? It's um, I believe I'm going with one gig a month right now for uploading. Mm-hmm. It's it's one gig space, and then uh, three gigs of uh, like expandable storage for anything that's archived. So. You, that that won't work for for long though. If if you you got tapped out at three gigs, I have sixteen gigabytes of archive. It, it keeps it keeps like restoring itself every month. So like every month it resets back. So it's like oh okay yeah okay so it's okay. I'm like the, the, the least technical technically savvy of the group, I think. 
But I, I've, heard, I've heard good things about Podbean. Yeah, Podbean's been wonderful for me. All right. Uh, I I, uh, I don't know if I have three triple A's extra in my bag somewhere, so I might not be able to record this entire bit. But I'll put up what we got uh, as we record. I actually have uh, – I'm hosted on a site that's actually hosted on DreamHost. Yes, I know. Uh, they're looking to <laughs> looking to move. Um, but uh, we've basically been having free hosting by – uh, our host, which is Rampage Network, which is under new management now. Um, and they are going to move off of DreamHost, so that's good. But I was looking into options for hosting elsewhere because we went out for like three days. And that was like at least six or seven days within 365 days that we were out. And that's ridiculous. Yeah. And I found out when you have a large archive, it's kind of hard to just move. Unless you just kind of slowly start over on like Lipsyn or Podbean. You kind of, at this point, you got to by a VPS server um, in order to actually upload all that or do some sort of crazy thing with uh, Amazon S3, um, sort of like a, this, a storage solution. If anybody's really interested, you can ask me. I've been doing a lot of research on hosting. But if, if you are looking to have like a lot of traffic, um, start on one of these services that everyone else was talking about first and see where things go from there. But if you got like a large archive like myself, um, people that I talk to, you, you want to avoid all of the the ones that are like unlimited hosting, which is complete BS. Because if you start hogging the resources of these less than ten dollar a month sort of services, they can suspend your site because you're hogging the resources. So if you have somebody with me, where you have at least two hundred two hundred gigabytes of 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 downloads per month, you're going to want to start looking at VPS services. Um, is what has been recommended to me. Probably don't need to go to dedicated at, at my level just yet. If I doubled, maybe, but that that is a big concern. So if you can start off on one of these smaller site services, it's probably going to be worth your while. Um, and you, what were you saying that you were hosted on again? We're on GoDaddy, but I'm not the happiest with them. Right. Are you guys, like both of you, are, you're both on GoDaddy right now. Um, I did notice that GoDaddy did offer a sort of like podcast sort of option or either one of you using that I'm no not, yeah i'm not on there they didn't have that option when we started so okay it looks fairly similar to like what libsyn was doing at, a at the time and i didn't quite understand i, I just i just have web space and uh, i haven't had a problem with bandwidth yet okay yeah, yeah godaddy i hear is hit and miss a lot of people complain about just dealing with them well the the website itself is stupid the, the, oh, the, yeah. the, the actual tech layout is, is atrocious yeah, for that it's, site. It's ridiculous. You Just buy more the, stuff. The Are you sure you don't want to buy more stuff? That's a, every yeah. every click, every movement of the right. mouse is go. You know, hey, you need all of this, and so you have to basically go through and make sure you're reading. Make sure you don't just you click do. all the way yeah, through. If you click just all the way yeah. through, you're going to end up with with five hundred dollar bill stuff. You don't need. Yeah. Uh, so. But you know, sometimes you just I'm fine dealing with it because I have. 10 domain names on them right now. And I just renewed everything. It's like, 150 bucks. Well, domain names are fine, but I mean, as far as like... I it's still a hassle to go through. You got all this stuff to look, make sure that they're not selecting. Uh, hi, do you have a meal for me? Facts? David. Uh, David on there? Okay. Yeah, that's my real first name. So I get in food service here. And I bet you want money. That's only yeah, thing you can come for. Yes. Oh, you can just set it down. <laughs> Sorry to pause this podcast uh, uh, panel, but. Uh...
Well, let's not pause. I'm recording it. I'm recording too. These are, these are golden uh, moments, man. These are, these are I'm recording too. I have I have the power to record. <laughs> Does he take credit card? Okay. I don't want to. I, I don't want to interrupt anybody's thing. But does anybody have any questions? Like anything that they want to any know about? Any two people in our audience? Yeah. I actually do have some questions for you. Um, I'm hearing a lot of interesting things. Uh, first of all, former musician, or actually, that's kind of a, uh, a bad thing to say. You're never a former musician. You're going to play something sometime. Uh, this guy's over here. Got United States of Geek. Right. You've got anime stuff. Animation. Animation stuff. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't just go just. Japanese. I go with everything. Okay, and um, so am I. Am I like witnessing like the Avengers of podcasting? Like, and so there came a day like no other okay. when four dudes and giant. Just with a chairs. lot less people. Like, is that so? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, uh, well, I'm Tony Stark. Is good. Just but, call me a yeah. watch here. I'm just watching. I'm not gonna. Like, <laughs> it wasn't like my seat, man. I'm just here to see what's going on. Well, uh, I'm actually. I'm curious about it. How do you guys? Because. Uh, I'm one of these people that is uh, more critical of myself than maybe uh, anyone else probably would be. Uh, so when I think, and, and just for background sake, I'm with Cosmic Comics out there, the vendor area, um, uh, managing a uh, comic book store that's been in business on a mom and pop basis for like 33 years. And uh, kind of new to the scene and looking forward to getting the shop that's been in Dallas-Fort Worth for 30 some odd years actually into the mouths of guys like you. Where, or so, where are you looking? Exactly. I'm in uh, Grand Prairie off of uh, Marshall and Beltline Road. So okay. basically, I'm as equicenter as you can get to Dallas and Fort Worth. Oh, yeah. I know that area very well. Yeah. Um, so, uh, like I was saying, I'm usually more critical of, of myself. How do you guys keep it going? How do you, like, have your bad show, and then the next day you're like, oh, dude. Time for another bad show. You can't help. <laughs> well, well, the thing, the thing to remember is, is you, some people say you're only as good as your last show. I, I don't agree there because, because you know, it's 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 not quite the same as other mediums. You know, you have the archive there, and someone who's interested in a certain topic will find that certain topic and will and will love it. And also, I think, you know, if you have a bad show, you don't have to put it out. I, there's one show that is in the locker that I will never release. But you saved it? Like, you have it for, like, when the day comes? No, no. It's the, This this was a quagmire of all quagmires. Uh, we decided to do an off-topic episode where we talked about the new Ultimate Spider-Man being the, uh, the, being the, the, uh, the new guy whose name I forgot. Miles Morales. Yes, Miles Morales. And what happened was we had Tom Revore on that episode, and we also had uh, Stephanie O'Donnell on that episode. And Tom Revore is an old, old-fashioned uh, Texas conservative, and Stephanie O'Donnell is a New York liberal. And wow, we will never release that episode. Ever. Ever. What about transcripts? Can we just get? <laughs> this this episode is so. This episode was so explosive and so badly done. Everything was out of control. We couldn't stop those two. And so we, I have. I hate to do it, but I have another question. You said something that I thought was interesting that uh, the uh, people who tune into your individual podcast are looking for a specific niche. Do you find? that you might have difficulty either A, being too much in a niche, or, or B, not enough? I, I think with my podcast, we, we are not in enough of a niche. Because okay. we, we kind of go all over the map, because we, I mean, we're, we're fans of a lot of stuff. Right. Yeah. And we want to talk about a lot of stuff. But I think especially in, in like podcasting, the more specific that you can be, 
there's going to be that audience out there for it. Right. And so uh, I think in, in the case of my show, at times we are too broad. We're, we, we've got a Star Wars guy who just talks about Star Wars. Well, there's podcasts just about Star Wars. There's podcasts just about comic books or just Marvel comics. I mean, you can go very specific and you'll find that audience. I think, I think the more broad you are, you're, you're spreading it out too thin. I, I, I try to uh, I try to do uh, what we do at the end of every episode. We do a random poll, or we try to do as, as random a poll as we can. Right now, we're we're on more of a schedule because we're in our last like five episodes of our of our hat. Because I literally have an Indiana Jones fedora that I pull every topic out at the end of every episode. Um, but what I try to do is I try to keep things evergreen. Uh, if we tr- uh, I, I try not to date myself on the show with you know mixed results, um, but it it definitely it depends on on what's going on outside of everything else. But uh, we, we try to keep it as evergreen as we can. With the tech charts, like we have we literally have our segments down to three parts. We start off the show. Mark kind of does like idiotic tech news. Like there was one guy who decided to you know one of the stories was run into a convenience store wearing a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles mask. You know, it's like, you know, Spider-Man robbed the story. He finds the real stupidity of tech stories. Then we have Sarah, who does Sarah Time, which is like, you know, the geek girl kind of story she does. And then we have the Kyle's Corner, which I really go in and find in the comic book news, the movie news, the video game news, the toy news. And so we, we really center like three different areas. And, you know, when you said about, like, you know, you give a bad show, it's like, because we're out of a studio, you know, we feel like, you know, we're there once a week. I'm producing, so I'm doing everything. I'm running the chat room, I'm running the cameras, I'm running the audio. So sometimes we've had problems where because they they, sh- uh, they, fit, they changed everything around, we've had problems where we had to restart the TriCaster. And so sometimes, you know, that one of the cool things about it is that because we, we do put the episodes on Blip and distribute it there. But also, you know, it, sometimes having that little bit of uh, live feed where people will, will come look at maybe 10 or 15 people just because we're on Tuesday night, we're in a different night, we might have more. We'll have people chatting, you know, chatting with us. and. We save the shows on Justin.tv, so that's the other good thing is that you can save an archive. And right now, if they haven't done anything, but for free, you stream Justin. There's another show here in Dallas called the Clubhouse, and they do nothing but audio. But uh, it's like a sports and wrestling kind of stuff. But you know, they do nothing but audio on Ustream. They save everything, and eventually, there is a way you can actually send those to iTunes too. So I mean, there are different ways you can, you know, there are free services. It's hard to find. You got to research them, but there are ways to start off, you know, kind of small and eventually age will get bigger. And, and, and like even with the other medicine, it's the love. It's, it's, a, it's a podcast. It's a passion. It's art. It, if you really like it, you got to keep going with it. Don't you know? And don't go into think. A lot of people go in. Oh, I want to do a podcast because I want to become famous. You want to do it because this is. You may never make money, but you, just, you want to have a voice. You want to do a show. You want to entertain people. That's I was going to say, on a scale of how to t- uh, scale of one to ten, how frustrated are you guys with being underestimated at the difficulty of actually carrying on a podcast? Uh, I imagine it goes something like this. You know, you tell your great uncle who's in town, yeah, I do a podcast for a thing. And they're like, okay. So they kind of maybe imagine a guy over the microphone in front of a uh, dimly lit laptop screen or something opining away to the universe. Uh, but Which is pretty much it is. Good thing great uncle Tom can lock in on that one. Well, uh, I, I have to say, the, the way I started, I started with the Webcomic Beacon podcast, and basically that grew out of... Uh, uh, out of a webcomics forum, and there were people on there that were doing their own webcomic reviews. And my initial thing was, let's get some of these people together. Let's let's put on a podcast. So it's like it's it's a lot. Of, I would say 
if you're if you're doing a podcast right, I think everyone will agree. You at least you started off as a labor of love. If you start off with like I'm going to be famous oh, yeah, with this, yeah, you're wrong. wrong oh, yeah, yeah, it's going to be a rock star out of it. So yeah, yeah it's it's just like people start a web comic thinking, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna become. I'm going to become the next blah, blah, blah. This, yeah, this is the next Penny Arcade. Yeah, it's yeah. just not going to so work that way. At, at no point did I ever think I was going to get famous for it. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. At no point did I ever think in a million years I would end up, uh, you know, doing anything, I mean, know, even remotely, that would make me famous. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's more like I get to sit down with my friends for an hour out of the week, out of my week. That's, exactly. You know, and have a fun conversation. 52-hour work week or something like that and I get to sit down for an hour and just hang out with my friends and talk about stuff that we like mm-hmm. and that's, that's more or less what it is and so like when you're talking about having a bad show I'm just like screw it we got another show next week so I mean, we, yeah. we release our material frequently it's every week so if you have a bad show you just like alright yeah. look at the numbers for that show just go make another one you know? on the topic of bad shows I mean like do you mean like just Everybody with low energy, or like well, tech-wise, because oh, tech, yeah. well, let me tech-wise, just, my, my, my perspective is way more. Well, that. Well, I might be so. a, a, a musician and have some experience with mixers and these things, these different things. Let mm-hmm. me plug into a computer. Uh, tech-wise, I would have no information for you, so I wouldn't know. What I mean, literally, when I say a bad show is maybe you feel like you misspoke, maybe you realize that you were opining in a completely false perspective, maybe uh, somehow somebody close to you criticized a thing in a, in a cheeky way that just oh, rubs you wrong, man. Oh, no. sets you off. There's, there's, nothing, there's nothing that I can't fix in post. <laughs> oh, okay, gotcha. Well, editing. We really <laughs> control X. We, yeah. we try to keep everything in. Well, yeah, I yes. um, because to me that's the the randomness, the the pissing <coughs> off the right person, exactly getting yelled at, get that that passion is what people are tuning in for because you don't get that on the radio. Exactly, you don't get that kind of stuff anywhere else. You get that on podcasts. You can say pretty much whatever you want. Like we we tone down anything that might come across badly for right. some people, mm-hmm. but as far as getting angry, getting passionate, swearing, we don't care. I got a few really good examples. Um, there's this one, th- not one time, yeah, one time out of 240 episodes. Um, no, where we've had like a guest not show up, and this is back when I tried to really super schedule everything, we're going to talk about this topic, and I'm going to try to get blah, 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 blah. And, and, and it just... We called them spectacular failures at the time because <coughs> things totally didn't go according to plan and we basically just had a whatever show. And some of those are actually really, really good. Um, just, you know, the whole working with the other people. But there also have been some, I would say, not as good shows where we tried something different and it just didn't work out. And I still put it out there for completion's sake. And there's an episode that felt a little bit more like an infomercial. I still put it out there because that's what it was, and, and a lot of a lot of things is, and, and I wanted to hark, uh, go back to, uh, um, like you were mentioning, oh, there's all these, you know, maybe you're not niche enough or you're not specific enough, but then again, you know, um, there's a lot of people already doing stuff out there. So if you want to make your own podcast, you got to look at what's already out there. And I always say to people, what can you do different? Like, can you talk well, about something different, or is it your personality with everybody personality, else? Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Is like, because yeah. I mean. There's thousands of nerd podcasts out there, and you yeah. know, 
shows similar to mine. You know, we, we take our, we block ours in two half-hour segments. We have the first half-hour, we completely BS and talk about what's been going on with ourselves, even though people may not care at all. Right. But then the second half is specific nerd news stuff that we cover and kind of make comments on. Well, I, I find that the, I find that the BS stuff is some of the best stuff. It's yeah, uh, yeah. like, uh, for instance, my show. My show. We have a pre-show and a post-show. The post-shows can go is like midnight to question mark. Right. And uh, what I find is is these discussions are hilarious that I have with our guests. Uh, we once had a guy from Canada once, and we had this discussion about polar bears and for about how polar bears polar bears are the only animals in nature that hunt actively hunt humans. We and uh, what's really funny is sometimes we have this happen in the middle of the show. Like one time, my co-host Neil had to step away for a second, and I decided to torture one of our guests. One of our guests was a guy named JT who didn't know much about Star Wars comics. So I said to JT, "Hey JT, do you know how Darth Maul died in the Star Wars comics?" And anyone here? Does anyone here know? Okay, Darth Maul survived getting cut in half. He has robot legs. And it, it, yeah, and anyways, he's hunting down he's hunting down Obi-Wan for revenge all through this comic. And at the end of this comic, he's at Tatooine, he's all pumped up. Oh yeah, I'm going to kill Obi-Wan. And then Uncle Owen shoots him with a rifle and kills him. Wow. <laughs> and this, I actually have this as a, as a video on YouTube because JT was so amazed that this happened that it was hilarious. He was like, I was going to say, that those brings another avenue. It's like, you know, with MC Square, we also do, like, other avenues. Like, you know, I've started doing, like, I carry a foot camera with me, and I'll, like, I'll record either pre-show or during show, like, a two or three minutes stuff going on. And, like, you know, like, if you have little extra bits of stuff, you know, like, content for you to watch for your show or even just interact with, you know, your Twitter feed, Facebook, you know, like, during our, when we record our audio, like, well, half the reason we started MC Square was because my knowledge on music is that you have... You have the spectrum. You have, you don't know shit. You have in the middle, and you're somebody that's an expert. And I'm on the whole freaking grid. I'm all over the place. It's like I'll know one thing and not know the other. So it was kind of a way to kind of educate me on music. Mm-hmm. And so like you know, it was just you know like every time we, we record, I'll put the shows on Twitter and Facebook. So if you, you know if somebody doesn't hear the episode, they goes, oh, what's this about? They want, might want to hear what we're talking about, what we're going to speak. We like the song, we not like the song. So you know, it's like it, it is a labor of love. But sometimes the extra content will also help you know draw your audience in for the show that you're doing. Yeah, with our pre-show, we. We record. Uh, I start recording at the intended record time, and then we end up bullshit for like and that, like a half hour. During that half hour, um, we basically set the tone for that for that episode. Uh, and then what I'll do is I'll I'll compile it all into what um, what one of our co-hosts uh, has so eloquently referred to as the gem file. <laughs> so um, we have a gem file episode in the works. Um, right now, we're looking at about two and a half hours. Yeah. And that's that's just gen file material. Just us bullshitting and just making fun of each other and, and all that stuff. So. That's the best stuff. Like I said, that's yeah. always the best stuff because I always find that pre-shows help, especially with a format like mine where I have new guests every week. Mm-hmm. It gets them acclimated to you, gets them gets them exactly. gets them relaxed. It especially helps when you get some get some people that you never talked to before or people who are who are actually famous and you're like, oh, this is this famous guy. And if you get them to relax like a normal person, you're relaxed like a normal person. Yeah. It comes off my better i mean i've interviewed uh, flint dilly who uh, who wrote transformers the movie I, i've interviewed marv wolfman 
Nice. And so it, it really helps. And I've interviewed tons of voice actors. I've interviewed Brett Weaver, Tiffany Grant. Do you have them Skype in or are you going on your like how do you have Always Skype. Okay. How hard is it to get in touch with these guys? Because that's the one thing I would love to get a guest on the show, like a like an actual celebrity guest. That's, that's the one. That's the one frontier. That's the one frontier I get to reach. Well, let me. Just sending them an email to have contact. It, it's amazing how much, how many times I interviewed Marv Wolfman. And Marv Wolfman said yes. Wow. I mean, it, a lot of if you find their websites, there's usually a contact okay. for them. And we, uh, when we first started doing that, we were like, oh man, are they? Are, what's going to happen? And then we were like, oh, we, we don't care because the worst they can say is no, and we'll just do another show anyway. Yeah, so the one attempt I had with Peter Mayhew, I went up to him and I, I asked him, how would you like to, you know, could, could I get an interview with you for my podcast? I'm sorry, I don't do podcasts. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, we've had bad luck with Peter Mayhew as well. So, so I, I, I've gotten... I got Max Brooks to to do like a little bumper for a show. That was that was the most I've been able to do at one point. So we once got a bunch of famous web live. most of the high tier and upper middle tier web cartoonists at San Diego Comic Con once to give us at least bumps, but uh, I've been too chicken just to just to shoot them an email because I figured they get tons of emails. Ah, they don't want to bother with us. But you know. Not for not if you don't yes try. To, though. I mean, they might they might be feeling generous one day and just be like, I'm fine. Yeah, I've been trying to get David Willis on the show for a long time, and I just I I don't know. Maybe he just doesn't want to. But I keep I keep, I sent him like a couple of emails already. I keep trying to tweet at him. Hey. From what I've heard, David Willis doesn't do podcasts. Are you just saying that or? No, I've heard that. Ah, damn. <laughs> All right, so we have a new person that has walked into our uh, panel here. Do you have any questions about the podcast? Yes, you, sir. Do you have any more of the new person who's been sitting in here for like 15 minutes? Yeah. Do you have any questions? Well, fine. So, uh, I'll jump in with another gym. Uh, I got a question. I heard you talk, uh, discuss having guests. I know that you just talked about guests, and we just had a nice little nerdgasm about certain uh, uh, celebrities. But my question would be... Um, now you have, you said over there on the left that you've had your friends, everybody here has mentioned their friends or their, their group of people. How do you guys decide who to bring in on your circle of show? Are you talking about like for a regular crew? Not, or? I mean, let's say you, you're again at a con like this. Like how do you decide, like you, you meet somebody interested and you guys decide, let's get on the show. Well, like, yes. Like, yes. How do you feel okay with that? Yeah. Especially, yeah, you said you have guests often. Yeah. Especially yes. I, I figure out who would make the best mixture. It, it's, it's like mixing chemicals. And uh, like I said, for this one show I barred from ever being online, I didn't especially imagine it to be that volatile. I imagine something more like the McLaughlin group, not uh, not uh, what happened. <laughs> and it, it's very important to gauge who your guests will be. I've been much better at gauging guests after that. It's And uh, what, what I look for is the... Is the funny reactions because it's it's I I love getting my guests ha you know either extremely happy or extremely enraged on a subject, but because, not with you, not with me, with the subject, with the subject because very important because I always hold that the funniest thing in in comedy is real rage like when I described the Darth Maul death to JT JT had real unscripted rage and it's the whole, most hilarious thing I ever heard in my life. 
and it's 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 also you know on that same on that same extra bit, I also told him about Jackson. Yeah, I'm experiencing seething silent rage at the thought of Darth Maul coming back. Okay. And then and then being shot by Uncle Owen. Keeping it in. Keeping it in. And then shot by Uncle Owen. Don't forget that part. Yeah, I'm still sinking in. Catherine, we're gonna rant about this on the show later. You want the space story? Because I can tell the space story. <laughs> well, didn't somebody else that was supposed to be prolific get shot by a blaster? And who's Grievous? that? Yeah. And who's that? Grievous. Grievous. Yeah. But, I'm sorry, Maul went out like a punk. Yes, he did. He Uncle went, Owen. He went out like a punk. Yeah, Uncle Owen. He, he was shot by the burning corpse in episode four. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, we gotta, we gotta. We, we, we have to rant. We have to, yes. This is one of my co-hosts, by the way. It's called Star Wars Visionaries Number One. This is going on my show tomorrow. I'm not gonna bring this up. My friend Kurt is a huge Star Wars fan. This is like you got punked by Owen. It's like all the people. It's called Star Wars Visionary Number One. Look for it at the store. Don't look for it. Don't look for it. No. Yes. You want to have the best Star Wars ever? Yes. It was a. It was there was a Han Solo story. He's with Chewie. They go through a portal, land on this planet. Uh, Are you talking about the one with Indiana Jones? Yes. We're I'm Indiana. sorry. Whoa, 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 yes. whoa, 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 yes, 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 what makes that worse is 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 the guy with him was short round, wasn't it? Yes, yes, it was. <laughs> yes, well, anything's better than crystal skull. <laughs> A lot of things that are stupid can be forgiven if they're fun, and not necessarily can. Very true. True. Well, you know about Jackson in Star Wars, right? Yeah, I knew about the Green Rabbit, yeah. Okay, damn it, I can't use that against you. Okay, for people who don't know, there were Marvel comic books of Star Wars where Han Solo has a buddy named Jackson who's a six-foot-tall giant space rabbit who looks like Bucky O'Hare. Oh, God, I remember that now. <laughs> oh, that's right. Look at him twitching pain. Look at him twitching pain. Oh, God. Three years of therapy. <laughs> <laughs> and he shows up in Clone Wars. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> He does? Yes. Cool. All right, so uh, here, here's a good example of you know going off topic and having some fun. This is definitely gr uh, great content for your podcast. However, if you're billing your podcast or your particular episode as something in particular, you should always try to harken back to your topic or after you're done, sort of rework the explanation. Um, I would say, otherwise you might be selling somebody a, a, a false... A, you know, set of sales or something. I, I just give up. I can't control my game. Well, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, but you can always like retitle it and, and talk about other shit or something like that. Well, I mean, we're, I mean, I don't title the show until way afterwards. Yeah. Well, I don't even well, worry yeah. about. I don't worry about names. I just have episode, season, whatever. Episode whatever. Well, the thing is, you might show. get the title of your show within the show. You might just, yeah. and somebody might say yeah. some stupid line. You're like, oh, there's the title. That, that's, that's right, exactly right, right. The show. Yeah. That's exactly how we do it. Like, like we'll, we'll say something that's completely random or stupid, but something that that. Generally, something that breaks Catherine. <laughs> if, if it breaks Catherine, we we say, okay, that's the title of the episode right there. Well, the, so. speaking of titles, we actually had one guy sit, let, leave us a comment saying, "I'm not even going to listen to this to your podcast, but I already <laughs> don't like it because because the title was He-Man in the Terrible Era of Filmation," and this oh. and this guy's like, "How dare you hate on filmation?" It's like, 
I'm, I'm sorry, Filmation's terrible. Yeah. You live with it, make it your own. Not the own Filmation. Sorry, I have all the human boxes. I'm a, I'm a fan of the stuff. I'm a fan of the I was stuff a fan too. when I was a kid. I tried to go back and watch it. I was you like, can. I can't do this. It, it's it's the rotoscoping, and they never look at each other when they talk. I know, I know. I'm false with this. I have no problem watching the series. Thundercats, I try to go back and watch, and I can't do that show. Oh, no. Thundercats is at least well animated. I mean, I mean. In parts. In parts. No, it's. That's the thing about it's making bass. Nostalgia is a funny it's thing, but, but I love Silverhawks. I had the Silverhawks box. And that's also making yeah. bass. I forget things. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, before I moved out here, one of my friends made me marathon the entirety of seasons one and two of Transformers. Um, I have no problem doing that. The girl who loved Powerglide. Written by David Wise. And Zeke. Yes. Two of the most puke-inducing Transformers episodes <laughs> I've ever seen. And, and the funny thing is people try to give David Wise a lot of credit for the 87 Turtles series. <laughs> and, 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 and I always say David Wise is the guy who wrote The Girl Who Loved Powerglide? Really? Well, yeah, remember Paul D. <laughs> uh, Batman Animated Series should be a writer on He-Man, uh, the original Filmation. Yeah, so Filmation had all the greats in there. Tom Ruger the, as well. John Chris Velucci. Mm -hmm. Now, we're talking about bad filmation. Gilligan's Planet. Oh. oh. Robot Stooges. Yes. Oh, God. Robotic Stooges. Um, I do want to throw on thing, and this is, I think, everyone will agree, is this comes in any form, whether you're doing webcomic, podcasting, you're going to have the frick internet trolls. So oh, yeah. Do not let the bad, even if you force yourself to read them, don't let these jackasses on the net that say something bad about you keep you from doing your thing. Yeah, I got don't. a good one for that one. Uh, I made the mistake of going on something awful. Um, did you start a fight with this essay? Did you start a fight with essay? We had a disagreement of, of, of things with, I don't know who You it was. don't acknowledge them. No, no, so I did. <laughs> you I give them power. One episode I had to rant, and I did call it Bess is a whiny baby. That's the name of the episode. Because well, he I is. Going, I had he to is. admit, and I had to warn people, if you really don't, don't listen to this if you don't want to hear me rant. I gave warning. But I had to include it to get it out of my system and some people. And I make fun of myself, too. And you got to be able to make fun of yourself. Otherwise, exactly. you should get out of yeah, this you business. Do. You did the, oh, no offense, but. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, you know, like I said, uh, I have also found that uh, we've got a lot of comments when we say things that are somewhat controversial. Like uh, we did an episode on Akira and Ghost in the Shell where me and Neil said that uh, Akira and Ghost in the Shell are well animated but extremely overrated. And then we got a flood of people saying, how dare you say that about Akira? But you say that about almost everything, every time I download one of your episodes. Unless it's, <laughs> unless it's, unless it's uh, uh, Batman by Bruce, Bruce Tim. Well, it's not my fault Bruce Tim makes good stuff. It's not my fault. It's, it's, it's my fault that he, the man produces quality work. I don't see how that's my fault. But it, it, another time, we also did an episode where, where basically, just as an off-topic uh, thing, I, 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 I slammed Ralph Bakshi. Ralph Bakshi is a hack. Ralph Bakshi is the first patent troll. He has a, he has a patent on rotoscoping. He has a patent on tracing on film, for crying out loud. And, and people are calling me out and saying, how dare you criticize Ralph Bakshi? So anyway, we were told to wrap up this uh, yeah. panel here. Final, final Does anybody thoughts. have any final thoughts as, before, as we go? Just enjoy yourself. Yeah. yeah. Have fun. Have fun with it. Uh, find a topic. Find, find a co-host. Find somebody to bounce off of. Uh, I've, heard, I've heard solo shows, and like, <laughs> like some solo shows just don't work. It helps Most. to have a co-host. And like your co-host made it like said for the two of us, it's like you know, it might be the four the four friends you hang out every night and just have good adventures. So you just yeah. try recording that. You know. Yeah.
Absolutely. You need to find a good co-host. Neil is my co-host, and he works extremely well because he, he, he he's a lot more calm than I am. I'm a lot more animated about subjects, and, you know, he, he's, he's the ignorant man to my uh, Johnny Carson. I don't have anything else to add. Right. So. <laughs> no, uh, what we had, I, I, when I first started with Tony Fegan, I started with Tanya Higgins, who was a reviewer at the time, and, and we had a great show. We had a third co-host come on, having three people on really worked for us, and that was our thing. He went by the wayside. I don't know what happened. He blocks me on Twitter, so something, I don't know, he doesn't like me or something. I never heard the story about that. But then we got Mark Savory on. Great combination. He, I mean, he's the, just the way the personalities work. And then Tanya had to leave, trying to find somebody else. I had to find somebody that would that would uh, be very enthusiastic to replace that other enthusiastic person that would give me crap all the time. Um, so yeah, it, it really really uh, helps to make sure that everybody who's on the show, like as far as main cast, really works well together. Um, aside from uh, all that. Um, I think we're pretty much done for this podcast. Uh, can we go rattle off the websites that everyone's get, that we can find everybody at? I'm at radcast.com, R-A-D-D-C-A-S-T. Animationaficionados.com, all one word. Spell it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Techtards.com and then mcmusic.automatic.com. And unitedstatesofgeekdom.com and uh, rediscoveringthemagic.blogspot.com. All right, and you can find uh, all, of, all of the stuff that I'm involved with at webcastbeacon.com. I want to thank everybody here for coming on the show, and thanks uh, thanks to everybody who, everybody who came into the audience. <laughs> yes, including the waiter that brought me my cheeseburger. So, and that is it, um, and thanks once again. It's time for intermission, boys and girls. Movie Week in Review is the GeekCast Radio Network's weekly movie podcast. Steve and Mike take a look back on their favorite films and give you their thoughts. They also bring in co-hosts at times. If you are a movie buff, listen to M-Wire only on GeekCastRadio.com. Hey, I'm Gary. I'm Mike. I'm Chuck. And I'm Justin. Join the four of us every week on the Internet's number one and longest-running G.I. Joe podcast, What's on Joe Mind? It's Joe News, reviews, and interviews like you've never heard them before, delivered right to your MP3 player. Our guests include Jason Marsden, Kevin Michael Richardson, and Matt Yang King from G.I. Joe Renegades, Larry Hama, Robert Atkins, and John Barber from IDW Publishing, and many more from around the online Joe community. Yeah, it's guys talking about Joe. Think of it as Joe Talk meets Sports Talk. And we make fun of Chuck. Right, and we pay again. Come on, Chuck. We're just kidding. Kinda. Sometimes Chuck makes fun of himself. Right, and we... Okay, seriously, this is just getting ridiculous now. It's What's on Joe Mind every week on the GeekCast Radio Network, InsidePulse.com, Stitcher Smart Radio, and iTunes. Download and listen today. I suppose I still can't say something about Transformers, can I? Good No. What about sports? That sounds good. Yeah, that's all right. 2012 marks the 30th anniversary for Masters of the Universe. We here at the GCRN are celebrating with a brand new series of podcasts. The Powers of Grayskull series will cover every episode of every MOTU cartoon. Yes, even that crappy new adventure stuff. Join Optimus Solo and TF2 and Mike as they tell tales of Eternia, discover the myths of Etheria, become masters in space, and finally masters of Grayskull. You can find the Pogs podcasts in iTunes and the web at www.geekcastradio.com. Good journey! The following is a series of extras and outtakes from 2011, featuring guests Kitty Hawk, Thomas Revore, Mike Blanchard, Pablo Prano, 
and Ben Heckendorn. I heard a Coke open. You heard a Pepsi open. In Texas, it's all Coke. Oh. You go by the Kleenex rule, I see. You go by the pop rule, I see. <laughs> Actually, it's just that I'm very finicky. I kind of gag on Coke, but I love Pepsi. I love Pepsi, too. Coke has a bitter flavor I don't like. Yeah. But my absolute favorite is Mellow Yellow. Oh, God. Do they still have that down there? Because I haven't seen it's, a Mellow Yellow. It's hard to get in Texas. It's really hard to get a Mellow Yellow yeah. in Texas. Well, I, I, the closest I can get is Mountain Dew, so if I can't find Mellow Yellow, I get Mountain Dew. Yeah, I was certain that they just phased it out. I'm surprised to hear that they're still making it. Oh, yeah. it's a, there, There's a, there's a uh, sandwich shop that has Mellow Yellow on tap, so I'm like, oh, yeah. It's called Witch Witch. Mm. It's really nice where basically you get a paper sack and you write your order on the paper sack. You give it the, the paper sack and they give you the sandwich in the paper sack. Excellent. And they have Mellow Yellow. They called me Mellow Yellow. That was sung by Donovan. Oh. I'm just mad about Saffron. Saffron's mad about me. No? Yeah. Okay. All right, is Kitty Hawk back yet? I don't think so. I don't hear her. I don't hear her either. It's a shame. I'm back. Oh, welcome back, Kitty Hawk. Hello. We were just talking about soda. Soda? What's your favorite brand? Um, Sunkist, probably. Okay. Yeah. I, I like it. It's tangerine and um, and lime, and it has caffeine in it. I like, go... I like Mountain Dew and Mellow Yellow. Ooh. Yeah, um, I kind of like those. No, I I absolutely hate Sierra Mist. Like, I can drink pretty much anything. I'll even drink Pepsi if, you know, like, back when I could drink it, I would drink it. Not happily, but I'd drink it. But, like, Sierra Mist is just terrible. If I had to have a choice in the place only had Coke products, I'd take a Sprite. Yeah, yeah, but 7-Up's superior to Sprite. I agree, but if it's only only Coca-Cola products, I'd take a Sprite. Yeah, if I, if I had my choice, I would go with Coke, but I usually default to Sprite because that's about all I got. And Sunkist, you don't see that usually, which is really sad because Sunkist is delicious. Is it Coke, but, soda, or pop? It's a – well, Coke is what you just call any cola. Yeah. But I, I've always said so, soda. Now, my grandmother used to say like a Sprite Coke or something like that. <laughs> But that's because she's from Georgia, and of course, no, Coke Coke flows from the mountains in Georgia. Neil Neil says pop. Pop. Well, I'm I'm in the Midwest. Yeah, yeah. Of course, he's going to say that. Like, and what I forgot what it, they called them in New England, but you didn't say milkshake. Like because milk egg cream. Oh man. No, no, not not. Look, I know what an egg cream is, but uh, I think it was like a frapper awful awful was what they called them. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's there's a, there's a place in Philly to order cheesesteaks where you have to order like wit without wit. You, you have to say it like that. Oh, okay. They actually write on the board. You have to say wit, not with. Wit or without. You have to say wit. They they had a rule about that, and you also had to like when you eat the when you eat the cheesesteak, you have to do some sort of squat. <laughs> Okay. I went to a I went to a um uh like a pasta seafood restaurant in Boston where it was like almost like the soup Nazi. 
you you got in, you sat down. They said, what do you want? You were already supposed to know what you wanted. You told them. They brought it to you. You ate it. Then they told you to get out. And it was possibly, like, the only time I've ever eaten scallops and I liked them. And so I was like, this was worth it. Even though I was, like, intimidated the whole time. Like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I better eat my pasta as fast as possible. Oh, my God. This is delicious. Oh, God. The pressure. That was when you were in Baston. Baston, yeah. Baston. The soup Nazi was based on a real guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I love is when he was interviewed, he said Seinfeld is famous because of him. (laughs) That might actually be true, because that that show was kind of a dud for the first three to four years. I, I never. No, it's actually it. really funny. If you ever find the clip of him, he he's like, "No, Seinfeld's famous because of me." It's like, whoa. Well, like I had the guy. People buy his suit despite the fact he's an asshole. I think he's doing something right. He he, he actually franchised. <laughs> no, it's it's it, yeah. He, there's a franchise. Uh, there's like five stores now. Oh, that's excellent. But. Yeah, um, it's a, he. He actually was not happy because he doesn't want to be called anything Nazi because he yeah, like Nazis. Yeah, yeah that, that's, that's yeah. I can it's understand. Building your own business is one thing versus you know uh, killing a oh. whole ethnic race. Yeah, and you know you don't want to put that like on signs like the original suit Nazi. <laughs> I actually think that guy's Jewish. I know, and that's why like don't. You don't want to put that on signs, but I understand. I think, I think that's why he's so pissed off at Seinfeld because he knows Seinfeld's Jewish too. Yeah, it's like, hey, what are you doing to me? I mean, come on, we're come on. But they were using it in a funny in a funny manner. It's like, okay, like soup German isn't as funny as soup Nazi. Let's let's be honest here. It's, I mean, both are efficient, and, but uh, not as catchy. Well, it isn't terribly common. Nazi is kind of uh, kind of a euphemism for a tight yeah. ass. Yeah, like you could say like soup crowd. Yeah. Oh, that reminds me. Uh, there was a joke at the Animaniacs that I didn't get the behind the scenes joke of until Neil told me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the uh, Jerry Lewis as a clown, the Jerry Lewis character in, in Animaniacs as a clown. Apparently, Jerry Lewis had a never released film where he's a clown in concentration camps, leading children into the gas chambers. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and he keep uh, the movie is completely shot except for uh, establishing shots. So he could conceivably release this. And he has tried on several occasions to uh, to release it. And I think the original author has stopped him every time. Because it was kind of this depressing story. And you have Jerry Lewis playing lead. So he's trying to goof it up. And the, the creator's like, no, 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 this is, a, this is a bad idea. This is never being released. The day the clown cried. Yes. Yeah. And there's actually a more a more direct reference in Animaniacs. It's the one where uh, it's kind of based on Apocalypse Now. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and, I remember that. Yeah, and, and then they go there, and the, and what's the movie he's shooting? It's it's called The Wretched Clown. Oh, my God. <laughs> what, yeah. the hell, what the hell is up with this movie? I mean... <laughs> I mean, it's uh, yeah. very few people have seen it. Uh, Harry sure has seen it, and he was kind of like, ah, that never needs to be released." <laughs> it sounds it sounds like something you know, like uh, the the uh, the producers. This sounds like something that they would have like optioned to fail. Yeah, I mean, the producers is almost like I know it's not, but it, it could be like a parody of this. Yeah, like it's, this. This this is like I'm reading this, and I'm like. 
Springtime for Lewis, plot, aren't you? Yeah. Springtime for Jerry Lewis. Yeah, yeah. Jerry Lewis is the clown leading the uh, German children, the, the Jewish children, into. It, it even says like the Pied Piper. Oh my god! I mean, there are people getting kicked to death in that movie. There. Oh my god! It's just. <laughs> I should laugh, but uh, Kitty Hawk. Well, it is glad, funny. But... I'm glad you still you keep coming, even though we keep breaking your brain with this stuff. Well, I'm, I'm reading. I'm just reading this, and I'm I'm just. This is not like brain breaking. This is more like, why would you do this? Husband, and then they reference the Nanomaniac. Yeah, I mean, is your husband? And then, I want to know what he thinks. I, I think he might have heard of this. Have you heard of the? Oh, he's not. He's not here. He just walked out. But uh, oh, but I'm sure he he's. I, I, no, I'm sure he's actually. I'm sure he's actually heard of this. Uh, the day the clown cries. Oh yeah, it's the unreleased Jerry Lewis movie. Yeah, he knows exactly what it is. <laughs> <laughs> nice try, obscure film. A nice try, obscure film. Yeah, he 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 knows pretty much. If you mention it, he can he can pretty much he pretty much knows about. It. But I did stump him on a movie recently, and this is a movie that my dad knew about, the uh, President's Analyst. I had known about this movie for years, like the description, and he'd have never heard of this. This is like this crazy movie about the president has a therapist, and and there's all these crazy plots going on with like the phone company and the Russians, and everyone's trying to get into the president's head. It's just I haven't I actually haven't watched it yet. I'm going to watch it this weekend because I'm like I got to see this movie because my dad described it to me when I was a little girl. Like, and that's why we should keep the phone company out of our heads. <laughs> and I was like, wait, what? Because like in the movie they talk about how they're going to implant bones into people's heads, and I'm like, but I always told my dad I would want that. I want my phone in my head. Then I will never forget it. <laughs> Well, you know, the, the day the clown cried, I mean, just the image of Jerry Lewis is a happy dancing clown leading the German children. Into the, oh, my God. It, 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 there's no way you can say that without it sounding offensive. Well, I, I mean, I, 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 I know that Jerry Lewis sort of had like a streak of wanting to do some serious work like all comedians eventually have, which is like, oh, now I'm going to do my 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 serious thing. And sometimes it works out. Uh, and then Harry sometimes it's Robin Williams. Sometimes yeah. it's Robin Williams doing the one where he's the creepy uh, photographer. Yeah. Well, uh, photo developer at the. Yeah, one. I, I, I remember that one. Uh, one hour photo. Yeah, one hour photo. The only serious thing he's ever done that was good was that recent Zelda commercial. <laughs> 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 no, I kid. He named his kid. He named his kid Zelda. He's okay in my book. Yeah, that I I can almost forgive him for Patch Adams because oh, of that. God. Well, the funniest thing to me is, uh, you know he you know he wants he wants to be in a Batman film almost as much as Michael Bay wants to be in a Transformers soundtrack again. God, you mean Stan Bush? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know yeah, what you Stan meant. Bush, but pardon me, but pardon me. Really, he wants well, like. No, like, it's it's for for for. Over 20 years, he kept on pestering whoever's in charge of the movie. I want to be in the next Batman film. He almost got in as the Riddler in in uh, in what was going to be Joel Schumacher's next film, and yeah. 
build that movie. But when Michael Keaton stepped down, that kind of fucked up the whole deal. I think the only character I could think of him playing is like Crazy Quilt or maybe something like that. Something stupid. How about how about uh, how about uh, the uh, the quiz Toy master? Man. He Toy could be King Tut. Toy oh well, he could be Queen King Tut definitely. Or oh, like he could be. Toy he could, Man. Um, he could be Man definitely. He could be. He could be Egghead. Yeah, he could be Egghead. But like, I don't know. No, no, none. None of this is like. Like, I want. <laughs> you know, what I, I, want? I just wanted to be on fly in the wall when he was pestering Nolan. Because I imagine what Nolan would say to him. Just that's just ter- that's just terrible because like he doesn't fit. Like okay, NPH, I really want him to be the Riddler. That's who I want to be the Riddler. But it's not going to happen. No, I have to remember freaking uh, J- what's his name? Um, Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey as the um as the Riddler. Like really doing Seriously. every character he's ever done. God, that was so terrible. That whole movie was terrible. Oh. And like, I'm, and I'm thinking, like, we could have MPH be the Riddler. It could, it could, it could save it. It could be okay. But no, no. Who's going to be the villain in the new movie? Bane. Oh Jesus. Oh, this yeah, is but... like this is this is like doing like okay Venom. Can't do Venom. Like it's it's so boring. It's like, yay! Here's the character that breaks. Breaks the villain, yeah, like the villain, the bat. Like, I okay, I did like the animated series episode with with Bane. That was pretty funny. That they turned it around and he he uh, he he beat Bane. So I kind of like that. But that whole thing. You know know what's funny to me is freaking Senator Patrick Leahy has been in two Batman films, but Robin Williams been in none. (laughs) Oh man. In fact, like, Patrick he... Leahy played the played the guy at the fundraiser who was who was talking back to the Riddler. Oh, he was I about to get a, he was about to get a Glasgow smile. If, if you watch Dark Knight again, you'll see him. He's like, "Hey, isn't that isn't that the Senator Patrick Leahy?" Oh, I'll have to check that out. He was also in the horrible uh, Batman and Robin as one of the people bidding oh. on Poison Ivy. Oh, jeez. Oh man. Yeah, let, let's talk about that scene. Yeah, <laughs> but we're, oh, we got to get back to the card. Yeah. Whew. Yeah, Patrick. Uh, hey, everybody. Have you ever heard of uh, a, a channel on YouTube called Nikki and John? No. Oh my god, it's one of the funniest things. It's a couple. It's like a really hot blonde and her oh. boyfriend. It's like an Ashton Kutcher lookalike, and uh-huh. they keep on playing pranks on each other. These horrible, horrible pl- pranks. Yeah. And, uh, let me show you on this one video where okay. she, she does a fairly tame prank this one this time, but. Sometimes they go really out there. And I asked Neil, Neil, would you date her? And Neil's like, no. That woman would be out the door. I don't know. She's hot, and I don't usually go for uh, blondes. My Xbox, the only thing I ever used that thing for was um, was to play, uh, play pirated movies because <laughs> Lord knows I did not play any games on that. I had the Halo edition, which uh, I had to scrub out because the previous owner was a smoker, and that thing was um, oh, it looked like the lungs of a smoker. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. What, what do you think of her, though, Kitty Hawk? Uh, she looks like a bitch. Oh, ouch! I thought she's hot. No, she's. I mean, I could. Uh, okay, I could see that, but I, but I just, what I see her, I see 
this girl is going to fuck with me. <laughs> well, all she's doing is replacing her, her boyfriend's uh, Xbox. Okay, so she's pretty tame, but she just looks like that kind of girl who's just going to... Actually, she originally smashed an Xbox like a year earlier. Oh, wow. Oh. Changing out changing out hard drives on 360 is incredibly easy. Yeah. I remember doing that with an Xbox. Yeah, was... but yeah, I love that note she left on the TV forum where she says, I erased your hard drive. Uh, as much I as would, a perv I, I am, would... I would not put up with her. Okay, I'm skipping through this because I'm just sort of like, I would kill her. I would really kill her because I'd be like, no, I'm sorry. Nobody messes with my video games. You are out the door. <laughs> That's what Neil said. I mean, that's just crossing the line. <laughs> like, if she said, like, not playing Xbox games, well, I'd say, well, you know, you can stop being a bitch. <laughs> I'll well, stop playing did, video games well, he, and you he, stop being a bitch. He, he, did, he did replace her shampoo with purple hair dye once. Well, that's funny. That's just fun. This is, this is serious <laughs> business, right? Here. This is like a kid he, killing a baby or something. He saran wrapped the toilet. Oh! That's yeah. also hilarious. I but, just love that. I love his shouting, Dicky, what did you do? <laughs> this just, okay, so they just prank each other. Oh, the worst one was uh, he, he, he like filled her lotion, her skin lotion bottle full of, of itching powder. Oh, nice. Man. Prank wars. <laughs> yeah, it, it, this is all the channel is, is just the two of them prank each other in horrible, horrible ways. All right. So I, I find it hilarious personally, but Neil said, no, 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 it, it, I can see, but it just sort of like, it's so fake. And I, I would rather it be real because like real life prank wars are awesome. Do you think uh, this is fake? This is fake. This is fake as all hell. Oh yeah. Sorry. I, I know you can choose to believe. I mean, I, 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 there are many things that I know they're fake, but I say, no, it's real. It has to be real. Like ponies. Ponies are real. Well, ponies are real. Yes, they are real. It's unicorns that aren't real. I actually saw one the other day. It was very cute. What's the difference between a pony and a miniature horse? Uh, well, actually, there is a difference. Um, it has to do with, like, the head size, I think. Oh, oh, God. It, the next link is where she super glues his hat to his head. What? Oh. He he wears he has a favorite baseball cap and she like put dots of super glue all in it and then he put it on and like yeah. Sony hasn't developed anything in like I don't know like six years seven years. Yeah, Samsung at least has bought it to fall back on. Like Samsung at least they'll make like the problem with Sony is is now it's just unnecessarily expensive. That's that's what it's become because I like look at their TVs and I'm like the LG TVs look better than your TV Sony go kill yourself Lucky Gold Star I mean Gold Star used <laughs> it's to be... a, it actually it used to be Lucky Group and then Gold Star and then yeah, Lucky and then Group they and Gold Star yeah yeah uh, my mom my mom told me this story and uh, she made me memorize it no I had to look up what LG meant and then when I saw it was Gold Star I was like Gold Star I actually have a Gold Star microwave. <laughs> No, no, it's, no. I'm... It's it's the heaviest microwave I've ever lifted. It's as old as I am. I think they actually used real lead. I mean, I mean, gold stars were like you know you go to Walmart and there were gold stars and you bought one. I think they even made a a three. Yeah, they did make a three D O. Um, 
but when Lucky, when Goldstar is beating you, like, go kill yourself. I'm sorry, Sony. Like, I mean, the only T, the only, like, most of the Korean TVs look better nowadays. I'd say, like, the Philips. Well, you know what? This could be this could be just like animation because in the '90s, Korean animation was shit. Now, Korean animation is like gold. Well, the problem is, is that the problem is, is that Japan started like outsourcing the like Yo Dog or Inception. Actually, this is more like Inception. So, America outsources to Japan, who outsources to China and Korea, who now outsource to India and Africa. Ah, what's next? Are they going to then outsource to America to create the cycle of outsourcing? It's the circle of products. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and that's part of the reason the Koreans are kicking the Japanese bot is because they did this. Sorry, when you teach them how to make it, they're going to start kicking your ass. Lou Scheimer is just waiting for outsourcing to return to America. I'll restart my my studio again. It's actually starting to happen. I have actually seen some Indian companies outsourcing um, tech support to Americans. Well, that's good. That's good. Well, like, okay, no, 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 because it's hilarious. American company contracts Indian company to do product and and, uh, tech support. Indian company outsources shit to America, like both the programming and the uh, tech support. So then they get that item that goes back to India that goes back to America. Well, I always told you if you ever want to talk to a, if you want to talk to someone who doesn't have an accent in tech support, hit yeah. hit the Spanish yeah. option. Yeah, but the funny thing is, is that my 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 husband did some shit for Redicoder, and he actually had a customer think that Tuscaloosa was like an Indian was like from India. <laughs> <laughs> and like he said well you're in india right i mean the time you know it's like something like they had to, like some conference call and he said well you're in india so we'll have to figure out the time and Trevor's like uh no tuscaloosa's in america oh man really yeah it's, it, they, they, they met him before right they know he's not Indian. no no this, this, this is like one of those sites now i have to admit like on some of these sites you know there are a lot of indian uh firms that bid for the contracts as well and i think they just assumed tuscaloosa was like some indian well it is just the wrong kind of indian yeah 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 (laughs) i could quote the family guy bit but i will not uh y'all go look it up uh but yeah you know all this all this talk about outsourcing like circling around the globe it just makes you think of the little plane from street fighter just going all (laughs) over the place japan china india Let's find the new outsourcing uh, place. Like, let's we'll go to Brazil. Yeah, Brazil. Okay. Brazil. Time to go to Africa. Woo! Use this one up. Where are we going to next? The only fighter in Africa is Elena. Yeah, Elena. Yeah. Elena. Yeah. Um. Oh man, man. I know where we'll go next for outsourcing. Antarctica. We're gonna get the penguins to do it. Well, they're just they're just marching with the Morgan Freeman talking. Meh. <laughs> We can teach penguins how to code. It'll be simple. Go work for fish. What do you call a fish with no eyes? Mm, what? Fish. Oh. <laughs> I didn't hear a Neil sigh there. <laughs> oh. <laughs> When the whipper will, whippers in the wind, the wind can whipper back. Oh, nice and chubby baby. 
you know, you know who had a phenomenal voice that that's I think I think she's still alive. Uh, 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 Mary Lee Faithful, I think that's her name, right? Marianne Faithful. Yeah, her her uh, her when she first sang as Tears Go By, the original first time she sang it. Oh my God, I've never heard such a beautiful sound. And then I heard like a couple years ago she sang it again after all those years. Oh my God, what'd she do to her voice? Karen Carpenter had the most. She's my sensuous she's voice. my favorite female singer. My mom is a big is is a big Barbara Streisand fan, and I got oh, an argument with my mom. And I'm like, I said to my mom, Karen Carpenter has a much better sound. Yes. And my mom says, No, Barbara Streisand. And then my mom likes Barbara Streisand and Bette Midler, but my mom's Korean, so Bette Midler's like a given. The Jerry Lewis of France. Yep. Yeah, it's. I like Bette Midler. I love the song "The Rose," but she's not Karen Carpenter. Well, um, to me, Bette Midler has always been. Um, oh God, I can't think of her name. She's better than she's better than Streisand. I'll give her that. Um, come on, come on. I'm trying to think of her name. Um, I mean, this is from a while back. Played Auntie Mame. Um, jeez, Ethel Merman. Ethel Merman. Bette Midler to me is a modern Ethel Merman. Mm. She has that type of showboat voice, and like I said, Karen Carpenter, me, her voice just dripped sensuality. She, I mean, it was in the right range, the right tones, and with the genius work, technological work of her brother. It all—it just all gelled, and it's just really sad the way she died. I mean, it's—I mean, that was a tragedy. It's uh, there are some who died that I mean, I'm sorry. You talk about Jimi Hendrix, who I still think is overrated. You talk about—he um, uh, did a pretty good cover of a, a an OK uh, Dylan song. See, I, like I said, I, I anybody can make a guitar scream. Hell, I can. I normally, just pick it up and it screams because it knows what I'm going to do to it. <laughs> but or the, gu- or the guitar can kill Roy. But I mean, it's it takes a lot of talent to actually make a guitar sing. Yeah, you know, a band has okay music, but a really strong stage presence. Kiss. <laughs> you got it right in one, Tom. So, but I will disagree because they had a couple of songs there. Most of their songs, I mean, remember this is from my era, um, and I hated them because a lot of it was just noise. Want to rock and roll all night? Yeah. Until oh, one God. song that they did came out. Was it Love Gun? No. Beth. Written what? by Peter Chris. The song Beth. Peter Chris, was he the cat? Yeah, he was the cat. But he wrote a he wrote a love song to his wife. You know, Beth, I hear you calling. It's it's I mean, it's something that you would never expect from a group like KISS. And it's a nice, lovely song. I and always I always think that George Harrison was the real true untapped potential in the Beatles. No, I'm sorry. Something Harrison is the best it. song in the catalog. I'm sorry, Harrison's songs were repetitive. Something he took one amazing. theme and kept it on and on and on throughout the my, whole thing. Well, like a gently weeps, dude. Come on. No, I'm sorry. I, I've always said McCartney, even when he went solo, he still mm. had some great music. John Lennon, I never liked his music, but he knew how to work a studio. He was the technical genius behind it. You didn't like something? Oh, my God. Uh, I mean, remember, I've also had to sit through My Sweet Lord. Uh, okay, I'll give you that. But and, uh, all my guitar gently weeps. Late that, 80s, early 90s. Um, all my guitar gently weeps, dude. Come on. 
but I'm, I'll be honest. I mean, I also look at groups like Bryson Hart, <laughs> which probably none of you remember. They were they had they were had a few hits on their own, but they're most famous for the music that they wrote for the Monkees. Oh, do you remember? Uh, you know what one band I really love, but sadly faded away because of a television network. God damn them, uh, the Cowsills. Yeah. Because what happened was the Calcils was a family band where they have their mother and they have the children and they're singing a song. They, they sang, uh, it's uh, the, the rain, the park, and other things. And uh, a television network's like, hey, we can make a show about you guys. And they're like, but you have to fire your mom. And they're like, we're not going to fire mom. So they just took the concept and they retooled it and they made... Uh, the Partridge Family. And yet they had no problem with uh, it being done by um, Susan Day. <laughs> yeah. Neil, yeah, Tom knows the story. Yeah, but but I, I, I love that song, The Rain, The Park, and Other Things. I, I, but I also look at some of the other groups. I, I absolutely love what the Osmonds did because they, they let the studio have their way until they became too popular for the studio to do anything about, in which case they started using some of that power. I mean, moving the studios to where they could record at their home over in uh, Utah, to where they could do other things. And they set up the first, even though the Jacksons were bigger, the Osmonds really had more power. Oh, did I ever tell you the story about uh, my t- talk with Don Slott? The talk of Osmonds remind me of that. <laughs> no, I don't think you had. Okay, Don Slott said that uh, Doramamu and his sister were like were like uh, Don, like an evil Donnie and Marie in his in his uh, relaunch of the Defenders. Okay. <laughs> and I asked him, "Does that mean our Donnie and Marie are the good ones?" And he says, "Well, let me rephrase: a different version." <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm, I, I forgot the name of Drama Maru's uh, sister. Una. Okay. Was it? I, I don't know. It's, that's what I'm asking you. You're the Marvel guy. Aren't you? Um, Umar. I was close. Okay. But that was... that was the And uh, uncle to Cleo. Clea. Yeah. yeah the, Clea. You've read Don Slott's relaunch of the Defenders, right? Nope. It was, I, I, I honestly, I, I haven't read Marvels or DCs for about the past year. Well, that was years ago, though. Well, well, the really funny thing is, you know, Donnie sounded a lot like Michael Jackson back then. Yeah, now the question is, who was whiter, Michael Jackson or Donnie Osborne? Oh, wow. I heard the theory that Michael Jackson is still alive. That's hilarious, reason. hilarious documentary on, on Netflix is Michael Jackson is still alive. <laughs> God. It's almost as funny as Paul McCartney's really dead. See, I think that Michael Jackson died 15 years ago, and it's been uh, Janet who's been doing both roles. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's dead and buried right next to Paul McCartney. There's a robot chicken that kind of... But robot felt... chicken said that the aliens, uh, aliens abducted yeah. the real Michael Jackson and had the two of them fight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a great bit because, yeah, because you have the black Michael Jackson fighting the white Michael Jackson. And... I mean, Michael Jackson never did white and nerdy you know that was actually a great dance number that was a oh i loved i mean most of what weird all does but getting donny osmond in the background to dance like that genius you know he was a grandfather and he did that right yeah he actually looks really young for a grandfather he stole the fountain of youth from um uh, dick clark dick clark thank you that's why dick clark just went downhill quickly because osmond now has it Maybe he's a vampire. Okay, there's an idea for a comic. <laughs> well, they already had Link- Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. 
that was um oh god no no I'm thinking uh uh oh Antarctic Press has a uh, Abraham Lincoln story too. Uh, Have you ever it, read Tales from the Bully Pulpit? No. That was a story where it's uh, Abraham Lincoln, Thomas Edison, and uh, and uh, Teddy Roosevelt time traveling together to fight evil space Nazis from Mars. I kind of like the one that Antarctic Press is doing. It's uh, Abraham Lincoln Time Warrior or something like that. Well, what I like about it is there's this scene where where the evil space Hitler is saying, what are you going to do about it? And, uh, and Abraham Lincoln says, bring it, boy. I'm going to emancipate your teeth. <laughs> wow. See, to me, a, a good tagline will do it. Like Abraham Lincoln Time Warrior, whatever it's called, from Abraham, uh, Antarctic Press. There is his, in his last hour, he lived a lifetime. That's catchy. I mean, I love stuff like that. Now, I don't know how good the comic is. I've never read it, but I have to admit it is catchy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Here's the scene of him knocking the block off of uh, of the evil robotic space Hitler. And there's, and there's Teddy Roosevelt as a version of Captain Marvel watching in awe. You can't get a comic book as good as this one anymore. To which the rest of us are going. Thank God. What? It's it's. <laughs> come on. I'm I'm. Hitler is over. I mean, he's the cliche when you need a historical villain. You know, I mean, you could go to Genghis Khan. You could go to Mussolini. You could go to Barack Obama. I mean, you've got plenty of <laughs> villains out there. It's but the tales from the bully pulpit is actually a hilarious book. I love it because. It's it's there's just something so magical about Abraham Lincoln fist fighting evil robot Hitlers, and uh, you know the, I, I love the new Captain America movie, but I just think it's really funny. I know it's in the comics, Tom, so don't tell me it's from the comics. It's just funny that you know Hydra is so evil they see Hal twice. Yeah, I I, I kind of like that too. I mean, it was <laughs> stupid, but <laughs> they see Hal twice. At the same time, they're, they're so evil, they do it twice. <laughs> I mean... I mean how, how, how can you beat Hugo Weaving as the Red Skull? Now, I mean, I have to, like, I have to admit, I'm Captain America was probably one of the best movies I've seen this summer. And I tried to explain to... Uh, I had to explain to one of our previous guests about what Captain America did right that other things did wrong. See... A nice, a nice hint to the viewers when you have something that's not obvious, but that makes the fanboy go "woo," and it's just something that's there that doesn't Human like torch. stop the scene, show it, and then talk about it. No, it's just there. Yeah, yeah. exactly. The Human Torch. Yeah. yeah. You, you, well, and things like I mean, I love the little the flying car. I mean, those are the shield flying cars. I thought that was I thought that was an early example of the repulsor. It is, but remember, I mean, Nick Fury. Which I did not see his name in the credits, other than Samuel L. Jackson at the end, um, who became the head of Shield. World War Two. You've got the flying car there. You've got the Shield flying cars all this time. It so just, that means the helicarrier is around. Well, the, the rumors are that the helicarrier will be in the Avengers movie. I am waiting to see what Joss Whedon does with it. I want a I want a naval aircraft carrier with giant. Giant turbine engines on it. That God damn it! it. <laughs> because if they do something that looks as ridiculous as the thing from Spider-Man, Fox's Spider-Man, I'll just shoot myself. Because 
one of the many things the cartoon did wrong was okay that cartoon was just wrong (laughs) it's so many levels and i know people that defend it to the death and i'm like watch it right now and tell me the same thing and they do and they're like well my 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 nostalgia is telling me this no I'm sorry. I can I can shoot down any quality attempts with the Fox Spider-Man with one word. One word. What? Morbius. Must have more plasma. Oh God. Yeah, uh, these suckers on the hands. I'm sorry. Plasma. He was created when Tomb of Dracula was the big thing over at Marvel. Well, one of the big things. I I hate that series so much, and people defend it so much. I mean. One of the technical things that pissed me off, and I was a child when I noticed this, was they recycled animation like crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have an episode that's being done by uh, by Acom, and they recycle some TMS in there, and you know it. And, and by the way, the whole series is available on Netflix, Tom, if you want to torture yourself. Uh, no, thank you. But the problem is they are using like a fourth or fifth generation uh transfer of it and the red is so blood out that the black lines on the costume are gone see yeah you mentioned that last week and my comment was oh it's the 67 spider-man and yet i love the 67 spider-man <laughs> it was a great series that's what i grew it was up it was on. it was very out there i mean i was watching him like oh yeah this is from the 60s yeah and uh, i i was watching uh, spider-man's amazing friends and that was so i thought it was the 70s but it turns out it's the 80s but it had such a 70s feel to it the original, uh, the second Spider-Man series, uh, done by Marvel Animation Studios. Yeah, Spider-Man is amazing. Which, friends. No, there was one before that. Was that the one that only ran one season before they retooled yes. it? Yes, and then they retooled it as Spider-Man is Amazing Friends. It was originally going to be Human Torch and Iceman, but it turns out the Human Torch is a, an appearance that is replicatable. But if you're a child and you set yourself on fire, I think you sort of had it coming. Well, I, I've I've <laughs> looked into that, and actually there were two reasons. That was one, but a more pressing reason was because at the time the Human Torch was still under rights to Hanna Barbera. Oh, okay. Well, as we have the Fantastic Four cartoon they did in the early seventies, the one where they replaced Human Torch with Herbie. No, there was they did uh, the original Human Torch. Uh, the original Fantastic Four cartoon had all four members. Then later on, they did another one where they had replaced him with Herbie. But there actually was, I mean, this is uh, late 60s, early 70s, Hanna-Barbera doing a Fantastic Four cartoon with the Torch. Was it better than the 90s one? I bet it was. Which one are you talking, I'm trying to remember which one you're talking about. Um, the one that came after the movie? The one before the movie. Fantastic Four. Oh, God, that was horrid. Um, Don't need no more. Let me put it this way. Um, it was... If you like Space Ghost, if you like the original Space Ghost, the original Herculoids, the, the original Birdman, yes, Birdman. that's the type of stuff they had. You know, some of it was based off the comic stories, but it, it was Hanna Barbera stories. Yeah, and uh, I just one thing I always say is '90s Marvel animation is fail, and and even as a child, I knew it was fail. I just I just sort of tolerated it because all the kids in my school were collecting these Marvel Masterpiece cards, which, by the way, are worth shit today. <laughs> no, Sorry. really, they are. I, I looked at the values of them like... I'm laughing because I had to deal with a lot of those investors. They're the ones that pretty much destroyed uh, comic books at the time. Yeah, it's... No, Mar- and the thing is this, it's... You're, you, you, every boy in, in school back then 
had this friend that collected Marvel masterpieces that actually bought the comics that was like orgasming over Jim Lee. And yeah, you know, Jim Lee's good when he has someone that's like really controlling him. When he's able to do whatever he wants, he gets lazy in his art. And that's beside the point. In but, his art, you know, remember he's now co publisher of DC. Yeah, Jim Lee's an idiot. Anyways, uh, yeah. anyways, people are expected to absorb all these good, funny feelings about like the X Men and stuff just from this one friend in, in school, and it worked. Yeah, it worked, and I don't know why. I mean, the storylines in, in the comics in the '90s were abysmal. I mean, a- abysmal. I mean, I look at the original Brood Saga. I mean, that was some nice writing. I mean, how did it start off? With uh, Colossus being damn near killed, taking it, a, a, an energy spear to the chest, um, and it, it had such great things. And then, oh god, if I see one more extra freaking unusable pocket on a costume, what, what I liked was, uh, you know, I was talking about what was great about X Men Evolution, and uh, with our guest Blanchard, who was totally wrong, and. Uh, I said I liked the little hints they did to the comics. Like they had an episode once where they actually had the X Men involved were actually were actually Beast, Iceman, uh, Jean Grey, Cyclops, and Angel. An Angel, and I said that was a shout out to the original Uncanny Number One team. And uh, Blanchard said, "Well, I didn't know that, so I didn't get." It. I'm like, the point was they didn't make it too noticeable. It was just there for the people who knew to like it. And I, I could say the same thing about the last episode of Justice League or Justice League Unlimited where they had everybody run down run out, on and, the, exactly. and they had the Charlton characters run down together they had the Charlton characters run down together they had the JSA run out together they had the seven soldiers run out. I mean it was fanboy heaven because those of us who, who knew knew what they were doing they were grouping them together and what did they end up with they ended up with the DC Trinity Superman Batman and Wonder Woman yeah before them the other four of the original seven yeah and like I said it's just Another moment in X-Men Evolution that was like, you know, just like the Human Torch thing in Captain America, just like a nice little cell nod that doesn't stop the story just to say, oh, by the way, you should know this, wink. It was in this episode where Kitty Pride has to, like, team up with Colossus for a brief time, and Kurt shows up, you know, Nightcrawler, and, and he's worried because Col- Colossus in this cartoon is part of, uh, part of Magneto's Acolytes, and... Uh, and Kitty, Kitty says, don't worry, he's actually quite sweet for a silent type. And see, I got what the meaning was of that. And anyone who didn't would just say, oh, Kitty's just being nice. <laughs> and I'm like, see, in the comics, they dated. And, and I explained it to Blanchard. Blanchard's like, oh, I didn't know that. That's sort of... And I'm like, that's the point. If you don't know that, it doesn't hurt. If yeah. you do know that, that's like, ooh. And that's, that's what Evolution had over the Fox X-Men series. Where the Fox X Men series, you have no DNA. I, you had no idea what they're doing, and you have a Scott Summers having his ball bitten off by it's fine. I mean, the whole thing was uh, basically it was it was the nineties. Everything was TNA. Well, it wasn't even good TNA because the animation designs for those cartoons was ass. Not the good kind of ass. No, like I said, the uh, there were there were the two Japanese openings that they did when they ported it over to Japan, and that's that's where you get all the good TNA and. Once the episode starts, then it's all gone. Yeah. <laughs> now, have you all seen the new Thundercats yet? I've seen one episode. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I I don't like I don't like you know. There's no space opera element to it anymore. And yeah, I didn't mind that so much. And uh, there, I I will say one thing that they, with the space opera thing, 
they've alluded to it that this is generations after the original Thundercats. That's why there's no space opera, because they have been there on Third Earth for a long time. But uh, do they still have the claw glove thing that was yes. the other artifact? Yes. Okay, because I never saw any of that in the promo. Claw shield. Yeah. In the in the first couple of episodes, the opening movie, I'm just the little tidbits that they had in there. I mean, when he came out and started did the first uh, Sight Beyond Sight, where it gets the glimpse of Mumra. I, I saw this at Comic Con, so let me say that the, they they cheered when he was going through the technology and the, they brought out the Robear arm. People were whispering to themselves. And then the big thing, when he uses the Sword of Omens for the first time, and they do the scene-by-scene, the frame-by-frame recreation of the thunder, thunder, thundercats, ho! You couldn't hear a thing because of all the cheering, and I was one of them cheering because it was a great moment. And even some of the things that they've changed, that some of the things that they've added in, like uh, Tiger being Tiger, uh, Lion-O's adopted brother, yeah, because Tiger was always the odd man out in the old show. I was like, but uh, didn't they didn't they uh, do the traitor thing wrong, Neil? No. The what? Uh, they only I didn't say they did it wrong. I just said that I saw it coming from the very start. Like this guy showed up, and I was like, he's gonna be the traitor. Yeah, well, in the original series, he was one of the traitors. Oh, uh, by the way, guys, you want to know what the what the percentage of uh, Android devices versus Apple devices was at the con today? <laughs> What's that? Well, Three to one. Yeah. More Android than iPad. More more Android tablets than iPads. I look at it this way. Mine's still cooler. Oh yeah. Well, I'll I'll just go ahead and plug in any USB device I want to use as a USB device, Tom. <laughs> See, I'll just use my Bluetooth. Uh-huh. Well, I have Bluetooth um, too, but, uh, but if I want to plug in Thundercats. <laughs> yeah. Back to Thundercats. I mean, like I said, I, I could tell Groon was going to be the traitor just because of one thing. He's voiced by Clancy Brown. Yeah, Clancy Brown never plays a good guy. Well, Cowboys and Aliens. Really? He's supposed to be, he's supposed to be a good guy. I haven't seen it yet, but I heard he's supposed to be a good guy in Cowboys and Aliens. He's going to be an alien. That, I just know it. Nope. Nope. Although I've heard that this is it's a bad movie. but it's got a, It has a, a Olivia Wilde in a nude scene. I don't care what it is. Uh, well, actually, have you heard the story behind that? No. Okay. It is a nude scene that's not a nude scene. No. She does not do nude scenes. Oh, there goes your one. There goes your one argument, Ben. She used to. Oh, wait a that second. movie can go fuck itself. Wait, what had happened is that she did the scene. It, it was supposed to be a nude scene, but she doesn't want to do nude scenes now. So she did it with pasties on, and then they went in and, using CGI, added her nipples in, and they had her have final approval as to how they looked. I think you're thinking of another movie. Nope, it's this one. <laughs> Are, are, you, are, are you sure you're not thinking of that, that stupid Ryan Reynolds movie she's in? Nope. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I know it because I read that, and it was just absolutely stupid and hilarious to me. Yeah, any difference that makes no difference is no difference. So if you're wearing pasties that are painted out and have nipples drawn in, it's still a nude scene. Well, it's not like people don't jerk off to fake tits. It is in the change-up, the Ryan Reynolds, uh, Jason Bateman one. So, so that means the nude scene in Cowboys and Aliens might still be a nude scene. Well, maybe not, because I'm only seeing one nude scene she did, and that was in something called Alpha Dog. Never seen it. Uh, apparently nobody did. <laughs> well, it has Olivia Wilde naked in it. Lots of people are going to see it now. Well, yeah. Although, I mean, good lord. I thought Marina Sirtis was short. Olivia Wilde is about five foot nothing. 
ran into her last year at Comic-Con. We were walking back to our hotel. She was walking from the hotel. Uh, they were getting ready to do some... Uh, our hotel was right across the street from Flynn's Arcade. Yes. You know they're making a Tron cartoon now? Yes. Uh, oh, wow. It's coming out uh, either later this year or early next year. Uh, and the next, the sequel to Legacy is has been green-lighted. By the way, I watched the original Tron before I saw Legacy, so I figured out... I figured out who Tron was real early because by the pattern of the lights on his uh, suit. So did I. But I, and I, I was like, I was like, that's Tron. He was reprogrammed. If they do not have Cindy Morgan in the sequel, there's going to be a lot of people who are ticked off. I think she will be. Yeah. Uh, and for people who don't know who are listening, uh, Cindy Morgan was um, uh, Lara. Yeah. Think that she was really supportive yeah. of it, and they were thinking of using her for something, but they couldn't find the right place to put her in this story. I think. Well, that's uh, from one of the things I saw. I mean, because she was uh, a couple years at Comic Con, they had this big Tron thing, and she wasn't on the guest list, even though she was there. She had to uh, basically break into the party. That digital youthening thing is getting better. I admit, not quite there, but it's getting a hell of a lot better. Well, I, I kind of missed some of the roughness. I mean, I know it's it's 8-bit versus Blu-ray technology, but the movie didn't seem as electronic to me. I mean, I, the biggest complaint I had were the costumes. I mean, I missed the Circuit Breaker costumes. So I heard the big thing was they didn't let Tron Guy be a cameo in this film. I could care less about Tron Guy. Really? I mean, it, it, he's not the one who helped Tron survive all these years. He is... He's a lamprey. He is sucking onto it. So I mean, I, I could care less about what he does. He's one more cosplayer to me. <laughs> he he admitted that there's no way to to conceivably wash that costume. So every time he's in it, that costume uh, is a little bit more ripe. Yeah. yeah, it's if you tell me, <laughs> uh, I just look at the, I mean things like because um, really it was. The first time I had ever seen Bruce Boxleitner, and then I loved him on um, Babylon Five. No, long before Babylon Five, he did Transmorphers Two: Fall of Man. No, no. Uh, I mean, I, it was even before Scarecrow and Mrs. King. Uh, he played an adventurer. Bring him back alive was the show, and he played. I mean, okay, now I got to take a look at it because I don't remember the character he played. He played Frank Buck, hmm. who was a real hunter, hmm. uh, but not like the character he played. Oh, I forgot that Cindy Morgan was in that too. Oh, uh, so let's let's move the conversation to some more some more geek topics. Uh, so, so what do you think about the fact that, uh, like we were mentioning, things that were subtle hints to fans that they never really focused on, but for the for the real fans, it's like ooh, like uh, one thing I did love about the. Star Trek: The Motion Picture is they. Will Decker is obviously Commodore Decker's son. Yes, from the Doomsday Machine. Yep, and I love the fact that you know you the people who watch the original series they just know that they don't need confirmation of that they just know that, and uh, and oh, and some of the other things I mean, true diehard fans know that a lot of the stuff that was introduced in the Motion Picture, uh, like the Vulcan that was supposed to be taking Spock's place, uh, Zon. Zahn was from 
the proposed new Star Trek series, Star Trek Phase 2. Yes, and lots and lots of TNG was Phase 2 recycled. Exactly. And it's obvious. I mean, Will Riker is such a, was early on was such a photocopy of Will Decker. Exactly, and... uh, they, they, yeah, I mean, I mean, young Frakes even look like the same actor. Mm. Come on, he had the same chin structure. Mm. I, I, I really can't see the resemblance between the two of them, other than personality that was written for him. But um, yeah, I mean, there was so much. I mean, and my favorite comparison is Data. Data was Quester. Yeah, from the Quester tapes. And uh, well, it's just it was it, uh, Next Gen started off as Roddenberry recycled. Yeah, and recycling is never good. And it wasn't until the third season when they really got some storylines. Where, fi- where they finally just sort of let Roddenberry sit in a room by himself and they had uh, Pillar do some things. Yeah, and they got some meat on the stories. I mean, the third season is where Yesterday's Enterprise uh, came from. It's where, um, uh, of course, Best of Both Worlds. There's yeah. so many other stories that were, that were what changed the way that Next Gen was being looked at. And uh, my friend Rob and I actually went through all seas- all the episodes in all seasons using a rating system with a three-point scale. Uh, three is if it's on TV and we're just looking at the channels, we actually stop and watch it. Two is we leave it on as background noise. No- one is we actively change the channel with all the episodes. And we rate all the seasons this way. You want to guess what the weakest season of TNG was? Uh, first one. Actually, second was weaker than first. Yeah. Ah, but the second season had one of the episodes which... If you Measure of a Man? Measure of a man. If you discount one major flaw, it was an unbelievably good episode. I agree, and but like I said, one three doesn't save a series of a, a season of ones. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, Voyager surprised me because the first two seasons of Voyager had quite a few threes, and I didn't think it would. Yeah, well, it, Voyager had some potential, but that potential got quickly beaten out of it because of the magic reset button. Uh, not just that. Um, I was talking about this with a friend of mine. Um, and uh, there was a rule that there should be no conflict between the crew. Bingo. I mean, you had great conflict. I mean, even between the characters of Paris and Chakotay, who hated each other. And then the next episode it's, is forgotten. Yeah, it's all lovey-dovey. And you know what? What really should have been focused on was, yeah, lots of the Maquis were former Starfleet, but it, it should have been like a larger percentage of people who were just farmers and agricultural people who just wanted to fight for their land that were being taught by the Starfleet people. There yeah. should have been that, like, part of the Chakotay's Maquis crew should have been people who never, ever were in Starfleet, and now they're expected to do Starfleet-like duties. That should have been focused on. Yeah, and I completely agree. I mean, it was potential that was wasted. I mean, you've got some alien that's going to teach them how to do the hydroponic farming? No, 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 no. I mean, and, and really, they it should have been a whole lot about, okay, we have to do this. What do we absolutely have to take away to make sure we can survive this? First thing should have been the holodecks. They started doing TNG-esque stuck-in-the-holodeck stories again. Yeah. I have to do. I have to give them credit for one holodeck story. Are you talking about where Paris kisses Macau? No. <laughs> there, no, and that was actually Harry Kim. Poor dumb Harry. Uh, actually, it was uh, – you should know this one. This was actually the best holodeck episode ever in any any Star Trek. And it was a Voyager episode, which surprised me. You should know this one, Tom. Well, I'm waiting to hear what you say it is. Bride of Chaotica. Yeah, I'll give you that one, but only <laughs> because I'm an old... I mean, I, You're a Flash Gordon fan. A Flash Gordon Buck Rogers fan, the original ones. That was perfect. 
that was that was textbook Flash Gordon Buck Rogers there. And it's funny to combine that with something uh, talking earlier about nods. Um, second season of Buck Rogers, the uh, Gil Gerard Aaron Gray series, they had an episode where uh, most of the uh, Earth Defense Forces are sick or something happened to them. They had bring in reserves and uh, cadets, and one of the people they brought in was an old colonel. Played by Buster Crab. I don't get it. Buster Crab was the original Buck Rogers and Flash Gordon. Oh. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, and he even had a line uh, to to Gerard to his Buck Rogers saying, "Son, I've been doing this before you were born." <laughs> Which, of course, was one of those nods. You know, well, wink, wink. I've been doing Buck Rogers before you were. Yeah. So it's... I mean, it just it, it, it's nice when they have nods. I mean. Thundercats. I mean, we talked about that, and uh, the voice of Lionel's father is Lionel. In the, in the, if you watch the uh, reimagining of Battlestar Galactica, you have Apollo and his uh, his uh, Tom Zarek was the person he was opposing at first, and Tom Zarek was yeah, Tom Zarek was Richard Hatch, the original Hatch, Apollo. Yes, who was also pretty much responsible for bringing back Battlestar Galactica. Because he has been one of the driving forces behind keeping it alive all these years. You know who one of the only cast members that was bad mouthing the new series or the the old series? Um, probably the guy who played Boomer. No, is the guy who played the original Starbuck. Um, Dirk Benedict. He's he's an asshole. He was he was bashing the part the reason he was bashing the fact that Starbuck is a woman now, and he says it's supposed to be Starbuck, not Stardo, and he came off as like a misogynist okay. asshole. Well, if you've seen him, even back when Battlestar Galactica, the new series is coming out, he looks like hell. I mean, he looks like he's had some major medical problems. Well, they all actually offered him a role, and because the guy who played, you know, the guy who played Tom Zarek originally was badmouthing the original miniseries, and then and then they were like, "Hey, you want to be on the show?" He's like, "Okay." And then after he sat down and actually talked with the writers, he's like, "Oh, this is actually pretty cool." Well, like I said, Hatch has always been. He's written several books, and he actually had a Battlestar Galactica movie written. Um, yeah, so, I mean, he's kept the, he kept the franchise alive. And so, I mean, there's a little bit of, there was a little bit of bad blood because he was never allowed to do his stuff, which was continuation of the original series versus, you know, the recreation. And like I said, it's once they actually sat down with him and he got what they were doing, he was actually really cool with it. Yeah. While, while the guy who played the original Starbuck is a misogynist asshole. Yeah, but he did a good cameo in the A-Team movie, so. He was in the A-Team movie? Yeah, after the credits. I didn't see that. They, oh, oh, they had two cameos after the credits. One was um, with the tanning bed where uh, the guy who played Face was going back in. Dirk Benedict, the original Face Man, was in there. Oh. The other one was, oh, God, um, one of the psychiatrists at the mental institution was Dwight Schultz. I think I caught that one. Yes, and Dwight Schultz was the original Howling Mad Murdoch. Of course, and, and I Lieutenant think they did. A, I think they did a great job with the movie, the new eighteen movie. I thought that was a great movie. I, 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 I liked the movie. I didn't like some of the actors as well. I, Liam Neeson was great. Well, as Liam Neeson, you say Liam Neeson and Bingo. I mean, he's going to be great no matter what. You know I'm, what? He was actually. He was actually. If Peter Cullen said no, he was actually Michael Bay's uh, reserve choice for Optimus Prime. I could believe it. Interesting. I mean, you could have a movie of Liam Neeson reading the phone book, and I'd pay for it. (laughs) 
All right. So when are we doing the X-Men show again? Um, we sort of had to reshuffle because we just had like a major, major guest agree this Friday. So we had to reshuffle. That's fine. That's yeah. not a problem. Who's the major guest? I don't care. Ben. I'm not going to tell anybody. I <laughs> Ben Heckendorn. Who the hell is that? Fail. You're fired. <laughs> he's he's the console mod guy. He made the the Atari Portable. He made uh, Bill Paxton Pinball. <laughs> okay. So somebody that made video games in the seventies. Lovely. No, no, no. He he mods cases today. Fired. So it's just a guy that mods video game cases. That's. Doesn't seem that epic. I mean, if you'd said something if like, "If you saw the ones if, made," if you had this... said something like, "Oh, we have Frank Welker this week," I'd have to hunt you down and fucking kill you. But you know, if you said <laughs> something like that, "Oh, we have June Foray this week," or you know, something that's an epic guest, a guy that just mods video game cases, that's not epic. I'm gonna put this on for our next show so that people can write in and tell us how much they hate you, Mike. <laughs> no, no, you're not, Neil. They're gonna be like, "What the fuck?" Okay. This is going to make you realize your, the error of your ways. Yeah. Alright, let's, let's look at this. Look look at the beauty of it. It's nice, but... It, <laughs> I... Oh my god. I don't know. It, it, it's a bunch of wires and batteries. It's It's a portable... NES slash Atari. I, I know what it is. It looks cool, but again, I just don't see how. And you guys got to remember that, and hopefully Neil is recording this part because I'm justifying myself here and saying, who the fuck is this guy? You guys got to remember, just looking at one of his last images that he's holding his system in his hand, that system is too big for me to actually play one-handed. So... You know, unless the controller is an NES, SNES, or PlayStation 1 and 2, I do not play video games that are that huge. He makes one-handed controllers. If you send him a controller and ask him to mod it, he'll do it. And there, you, great, there you but, go. How, how's what does that, that one? have to do with animation? He loves Iron Giant. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, you didn't break face it with that. Didn't you just... Oh, that's the other link. Okay. Take a look. Yeah, uh, again. You can play that with one hand. Yeah, I just prefer my original Game Boy. Oh, boy. But this has SNES games on it. And that's cool, but I still prefer my original Game Boy because that's still... Wow, you didn't... Wow, it's... Wow. I mean, you know, I'm I'm not trying to knock whatever guest you guys have. I'm just saying, like... And next week we just okay. the way that you say it, Ben. It, it it just makes it sound like you have, um, like um, um, Hannah and Barbara rest their souls. But I mean, it just the the way. Oh, we have a super epic guest this week. And when I think of super epic guests, I don't think of a guy that mods video game stuff. I just don't. That's just me. I, I just don't think of it that way, but that's... that's well, it, let me put it this way. The, the, uh, when we had Tim on the show, we were talking about this on the post-show, talking about Ben Heck, and we showed him one of the Atari mods he did, and, and Tim's like, wow, this guy's my hero. Remember that, Neil? Yes. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just... 
The gizmoiness, Mike. The gizmoiness. So you're saying you want him to make a a, a Mogwai video game system? <laughs> oh come on! <laughs> you're, What's you're... wrong with you people? Okay, I'm back. What kind of eggs were you making? Um, well, so I had these eggs in my fridge for about a year, and they didn't even throw them away until I moved. So I figured if I was going to buy eggs, I need to try to eat them more. So I've been hard-boiling them and putting Tony Cachery's Cajun seasoning on them, which does make me eat them. Uh, I like I like my I like eggs Benedict. Oh, oh yeah, those are okay. I'm trying to figure out Google Plus, it's so confusing. There's like circles or some shit. I don't know. What's oh. going- I just joined it. I can, I can, I can add you to my circle. Sure. So, what do you do? Do you just like you put you you have friends and then people and family, or is that is that what you're supposed to do? You can create your own circles too. Ah. Uh, oh, I know. I'll make one called local friends. That way, I can discriminate with ease. There you local go. Friends. All right. Create empty circle. Yeah. All right. I love Google Plus. It's so much better than everything else. I got an invitation for that, but there, here's the thing. There was no click here to join link. That's like, hey, you've been invited. Okay, wh- where do I click? Yeah, it's got to be cool, like, you know, in the Facebook movie where they were, like, inviting people to be cool. Let's see. Uh, hold on a second. Local friends? Yes. And how about local friends and friends? That way it doesn't sound bad, right? So I'll put this guy here. Okay, you know what? I'll do this later. So... What was your least favorite nickname when you were a kid? Because I think as a fellow Ben, I think we have a lot to <laughs> to uh, sort of... Ben? Yeah. yeah. Oh. <sighs> uh, sometimes people call me Ben Heckendork, but they never really made fun of my first name, actually. Never, never, never Benji, never... Uh... Well, women call me Benjamin to piss me off. Never, never, it. never. Uncle Ben's rice. Never, no, none of that. Well, I, 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 my, I do have a niece now, so I am Uncle Ben, and so, I guess I have rice or something. But I'm white. Well, well, be careful because you might get shot and become the uh, become the inspiration for Spider Man. <laughs> I was just gonna say, um, I only have one copy of Iron Man, but I have three copies of Iron of Spider Man Two. You know what's really sad is the people that are making the new Spider-Man movie are bashing the hell out of Sam Raimi and like, shut up. Shut up. The only reason they made that was because – I hope that's not a new trend in Hollywood. Well, well hold on one second. Set up a terminal operating system is not OS. Why the hell did they suggest I download a 32-bit driver for my 64-bit OS? It was basically like, oh, Sam Raimi and Tobey Maguire got too expensive. Let's reboot. And I hope that's not a new trend in Hollywood. It probably will be. Sam Raimi, I mean, Spider-Man three, yeah, it had a lot of problems, but Sam Raimi was perfect for. Spider-Man. Well, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't Sam Raimi's fault of the problems in Spider-Man three. It was people telling him which villains to use. He wanted to use the Vulture. Yeah, he had. Um, he had. He had complete control on Spider-Man two, which is, I think, one of the reasons it's so good. It is actually my favorite superhero movie. Yeah, it's that's one why, of the best. Yeah, that's why I have it. Spider-Man two, Spider-Man two point one director's cut, and the Blu-ray of it. 
but then it it didn't make as much money as the first movie, so that's why the studio started intervening again, unfortunately. Well, the thing is this. I think Sam Raimi was the perfect person to handle Venom because Sam Raimi was on record saying he thought Venom was the most retarded concept in the mythos. Mm-hmm. And that made him the right man to handle it because that was the best villain part of Spider-Man 3 was because how he treated Eddie Brock and Venom because he treated it differently than everybody else. Yeah, I was uh, back. Uh, sh- have you ever seen the Sam Raimi movie Crime Wave from the no. 80s? I did. <laughs> yeah, I'd seen that movie long ago, and as soon as I heard Sam Raimi was doing Spider-Man, I'm like, "Yes, this is—he was just perfect for it." Well, you know what? You know what? Before the internet was really big, I—I I just tried to imagine what would happen if the internet was around and as big as it was back when Peter Jackson was announced to do Lord of the Rings. I was—I was imagining people would be posting on forums like, "Really, the guy who did, who did Brain Dead, is it going to have Gandalf say I kick ours for Middle Earth?" Well, I'm pretty sure the internet was around in 1996. Or but I 80. imagine it's not as big as it is now, is what I said. Yeah, I don't know. Any cool news was in full swing back then. Well, I, I don't. I can't imagine angry forumers, forumers like there are now. Well, I think I think the thing that kind of happens is, um, or will happen now is you see that with like the dark or the Dark Knight Rises, whatever the hell that means. Uh, well, it's like, oh, we, we need to have as many letters from the last successful movie as possible, and then stick something on the end of it. Anyway. Um, you're like, what are oh, they going to call the third one? The Cape Crusader? No, it's called the Ri- Dark Knight Rises. I know, but what else would they call it? Well, assuming that Bane breaks Batman's back, maybe they call it like the Fall of the Dark Knight or something. I don't know. You know, they've it was so stupid. They're already going to reboot it. Basically, once this movie's done, they're going to reboot it. They've, I, Darren Aronofsky was talking about getting involved. It's it's oh, it's so ridiculous. It's reboot fever. I, I, you know, I hate people who reboot immediately. Let it. Let it sort of simmer for ten years. I mean, the yeah. problem—the problem is, you know, they constantly bombard it. And like I said, when I read the comments from the people working on the current Spider-Man movie, they're so disrespectful to Sam Raimi, and I, I think I, it, it makes me physically ill because what Sam Raimi did was amazing. He didn't cast—he didn't cast for Spider-Man. He cast for Peter Parker. Right. And Tobey Maguire was perfect as a Peter Parker. Right, yeah. it's like, oh, look, oh, Tommy McGuire is like, I don't know, 27. Tommy McGuire is my age. It's like, oh, he's too old to be Spider-Man. It's like, Jesus Christ, like all through his, like, you know, Marty McFly was like 25 and he made Back to the Future. It's like, that's completely irrelevant. I don't even get started on Greece. Yeah. Oh, apparently there's some new drivers for my video card. I'm going to get these. Hold on one second. Catalyst yeah. Software Suite. Okay, here we go. I have but, NVIDIA. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's in the game. Yeah, I heard that. Wait, I thought EA Sports was in the game. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I that, that that pisses me off because um, Sam Raimi is pretty freaking awesome, and Mark Webb was directed like what Five Hundred Days of Summer. Screw him! Like, l- like he can come back and talk when he like you know filmed a movie for four years in a freezing cold cabin in you know North Carolina. Well, he he can talk as soon as he comes up with lines like <gasps> "This is my boomstick." Yes, exactly. It's like, did you go to high school with Bruce Campbell? Answer: No. Equals fail. Did you have Bruce Campbell cameo in all three Spider-Man movies? No. <laughs> Human spider, that sucks. Oh, here's the thing. Is like, there's absolutely no way, absolutely no way they can top J.K. Simmons. So I guess he's not, that character's not even in the movie. Yeah, it's, no, it's, I don't know what they're doing with Spider-Man, but the biggest thing is they're, they're trying to say, look what we're doing right. We're having no C, we're having less CGI. We're going to have real built web shooters. Oh, see, that's the thing. It's like, if you think about, okay, all the geeks were pissed about organic web shooters. And the thing is, organic web shooters came from the ancient, ancient um, uh, David Coop and uh, James Cameron draft back in 1993 had organic web shooters in it. And you know what? It's, it, it, it doesn't even call attention to it. It's only in it. It only really 
talks about it doesn't even talk about it, it just shows it for a couple seconds and it's like okay i can just live with that well the thing is from a filmmaking point of view if you're bitten by a radioactive spider and you have these superpowers one of them could be the ability to shoot webs that takes less Which, the film is it determines it, it, it's less time than trying to explain how yes. some kid some kid in his mm-hmm, in exactly his, his room comes up with something that 3m can't make Right, exactly. That's exactly why it's actually a lot more efficient in a movie. That, that's exactly what Sam Raimi said when people questioned him about it. That's exactly the word Sam Raimi said is it's easier to just to say it's from the spider bite than saying that Peter Parker invents the 3M can't create. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And people but, but they're going to have they're going to have mechanical web shooters so I'm just waiting for all these freaking geeks to say, oh, this movie's better. Of course, they all hated Christian Dunst, too. So they're like, oh, Christian Dunst isn't in it. So obviously this movie is better just for those two facts. Yeah, it's it's the stupidity where, like I said, you, you cast for uh, you cast for the character. You don't cast for the role. It's like, uh, number one, Gwen Stacy. That's such a dangerous route to go so early because then it has people say, OK, when's she going to die? OK, when's she going to die? It's you number number one. Gwen Stacy is one of those characters that's more interesting dead than alive. That's the comic book geek talking in me. Yeah, right now. no, that that makes sense. It's more like the concept of her. The that... concept of the one time Spider Man truly failed. Uh huh. But you know, it's not going to have any cool. <laughs> no one's going to say sleep because there's something. So I don't know. The thing about Sam Raimi is he's he's such like off the cuff and cheesy. You know, I, I have no problem saying cheesy. Like the Green Goblin was cheesy, but it was awesome. <laughs> well, you know, you, <laughs> Willem Dafoe did this great voice for Green Goblin that he came up with on his own, and it was great. And people bashed him like, "Are you crazy? It's Willy, it's Willem Dafoe." I love the part in this, in Spider Man where he, after he oh. makes Spider Man sleep, he takes him up on the roof and he like leans up against him like he's in a bar and he's like, "Here's the real story." And they, and then he like <laughs> mockingly slaps in the back of his head like, "Yeah, dude, whatever." Yeah, yeah. I mean, Spider Man yes. probably could have used a better score because Danny Elfman also around the same time Tim Burton. Maybe it was connected. They both fell from grace at the same time. Well, you know, I like that Spider-Man theme because it it is uniquely Spider-Man and it is uniquely not trying to be the John Williams Superman theme. Yeah, yeah, but I think yeah, it's, you know, can, it's certainly several rungs like below the Batman theme. Well, that's true, but like I said, it succeeded in identifying itself with Spider-Man. It succeeded, it, it succeeded not sounding so damn generic. So on uh, those two accounts, I say, good job. So you have high hopes for Captain America? It's directed by the guy who did the goddamn Rocketeer. It's 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 playing to the director's strengths. World War II era, pulp action character. Come on, it's, it's, it's also by the guy who directed Jurassic Park three and The Wolfman, and Small Soldiers and like Jumanji. I said, like I said, Jumanji was pretty decent. It's playing to his strengths. World War II pulp action flick. That's Isn't Joe Dante who directed Small Soldiers? Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. Yes, Joe Dante. I got confused. But you can see how it would get confused. Yeah, I'm yeah. just saying it's playing to his strengths. I mean, it's 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 like you give Steven Spielberg a movie about uh, aliens. Well, <laughs> it's not even the strength anymore. The space between spaces. Oh, that was so stupid. <laughs> They're interdimensional beings, and what do they look like? Like aliens. <laughs> the skeletons combined with your skeletons combined. I am Captain Alien. The worst thing, <laughs> the single worst thing about Indiana Jones 4 was at the end, Harrison Ford says to Shia LaBeouf, he's like, you'll get there someday, Junior. And Shia LaBeouf did not say, don't call me Junior. 
No, the worst part was when they actually did the passing of the torch. And I'm like, to Shia LaBeouf, fuck, really? <laughs> See, I actually, I actually thought, I, I know I said this earlier, but I actually thought Shia, you, it's kind of like Jar Jar Binks. Jar Jar Binks is not the worst thing about the Star Wars prequels. It's the story, the story structure is. Um, actually, but, the funniest video I ever saw about the Star Wars prequels was actually Red Litter Media's review of Episode yes, One. Exactly. At, the, at the, the last part of it, I mean, I dislike his skits about having women in the basement, but. He makes very great logical points, and the very end of it, he does. He didn't even need to speak, but he showed actual film footage of Lucas and the other producers watching the movie all put together for the first time, and just looking at their faces, they realized they made a turd. <laughs> yeah, uh, his uh, he he actually yeah I know his he he frames the movie yeah his reviews are kind of weird, but um, I, I you saw that right? You saw the looks on all those guys' faces like <laughs> oh yeah they yeah realized something went wrong. Well then, shit. You, you, even if even when you watch the actual the actual DVD of Revenge of the Sith or whatever, Revenge of the Shit, yeah. And Ben Burt, you know, the editor and sound designer, he's like, yeah. Even on the actual DVD, the actual release commentary on the DVD of the movie, he's like, yeah. G- George Lucas likes to edit from the director's room, or the edit. He likes to direct from the editing room, and then sure enough, Ben Burt's like, fuck this, and he went to Pixar. <laughs> no, my favorite thing is Ewan McGregor actually loved to go on the record about how stupid it was. Well, I think, you know, he was almost, he was, it was like, it's weird. Like George Lucas can take great actors like, you know, Sam Jackson or uh, Natalie Portman and just make them inert lumps of shit. It's, or or it's, make, or make them over dramatic little shits like liar. <laughs> you brought him here to kill me. Yeah. No, but the, the red letter media, reviews, me. so they, uh, he, yeah, despite his techniques, he brings up a lot. Of, he he rem, he tells you how the movie sucks in ways you never even realized. But like I said, it's you know, even even McGregor loves to go on records about on the record about why the whole process was terrible because he was because you just had this guy walking around in a bathrobe on a blue set talking to popsicle sticks on poles, <laughs> tennis balls on poles. Pardon me. And it's like, okay, Ewan, you have to emote to this tennis ball. And he's like, which one? <laughs> it, was, it, like, it just sucks the life out of it. Well, they had, the, they had something interesting in the uh, in uh, Red Letter Media's review of, uh, I guess he's in Milwaukee, actually. He's, he's in the same neck of the woods. Anyway, um, review of episode three. And, you know, Sam Jackson's like, I sense a plot to destroy the Sith. And then they just keep walking and talking about it like there's nothing wrong. Or a plot to destroy the Jedi, and then he like counterpoints it by showing a scene from the latest Star Trek movie where um, they're running around the ship and everything's frantic. And the thing is, the characters just can't run around and be in haste when everything's a fucking green screen set because you just can't do it. That's why all they do is walk around and talk and sit down and stand around and talk in the Star Wars prequels because everything's freaking green screen. Fake. Watch Watch Episode Three. There's a scene with a fight with the fight with Grievous where they actually made a technical error that's pretty bad. What was that? Oh, it's hard to it's hard to find it, but uh... it's awesomely bad. Basically, when when Obi Wan fights General Grievous, there's a scene where Obi Wan's hand was actually uh, digitally cropped out, and his lightsaber just floating there from an empty sleeve. And hmm. I can't figure out for the life of me why that was done. It was like, uh, you know, we... I think Ewan McGregor was fucking with the filmmakers and actually wore like a green glove that day just to see what would happen. <laughs> I, I, that's as good a theory as any because I can't figure it out. Pablo, do you know what the scene I'm talking about is? Um, could be. Is that the one at the at the Coliseum or something? 
Yeah, Ewan's facing away from the camera. It's kind of a low shot. Yeah, I found it. It's, it's a shot so you can see up his sleeve, definitely. He's like, nothing up my sleeve. He's holding the lightsaber. Oh. You can't see. There's no reason at all. <laughs> at uh, all. No. I think maybe just his you, hand's so close to the uh, color of his robe, maybe just don't notice it. Oh, no, that, that can't be. That's, that's impossible. That, no. Oh. Liar! <laughs> <laughs> so th- no. There's, a, there's a rumor that Steven Spielberg ghost-directed this sequence. Well, that would explain the ghost hand. It's... And he was actually supposed to direct this movie. Well, he's supposed to direct Return of the Jedi, but uh, uh, Lucasfilm is not in union, and Spielberg is DW, uh, DG, DGA, so that's why he couldn't direct it. But yeah, if but yeah, it, it's just really funny because it's just it's just so out of place. And it, it, I I I think I I subscribe to the theory that Ewan McGregor to fuck with all this digital bullshittery put on a green fucking glove. But his hand is inside the robe. So if he had a green glove on, his robe would appear to have a hole in it. Well, I think they yeah. use like a computer technology to like ma- mask and match everything as they see it. They, I think they really go through it with with human eyes anymore. <laughs> well, you know, if you uh, the uh, the first prequel, I'm not going to say the first Star Wars movie because it's not the first Star Wars movie. <laughs> that's A New Hope. But um, the scene, you know, after they escape the blockade and there's like, the hyper- shield generator's been hit. Hyperdriver's leaking. You know, the guy with the eyes bugging out of his head. Yeah. That, that whole scene, they have a they have a, a making of on it in the disc. And, like, the, the, the performance is like, we must go to Tatooine, blah, blah, blah. That whole scene's been sliced apart. They, like, actually slice the scene apart to desynchronize the actors to, like, change the pacing of the scene. Does that make sense? Yeah. So well, they do they do that all the time in these movies. It's ridiculous. And that's, that's one of the reasons why everything's just like a big chop suey hunk of shit. Well, well, the thing is this: that's actually what saved A New Hope because the the cut that the cut that the Fox originally made for A New Hope sucked, yeah, and Lucas it was terrible. Yeah. and Lucas went back and made the much more superior theatrical cut. Yeah, they did things like when the sand creature like beat up Luke, and then he's like, they did they, they just doubled it over. Yeah. Hey, that wasn't Lucas. They hired uh, an editor that was a professional to handle it. Lucas, it wasn't just Lucas took credit for that. I, I heard him take credit for recutting it. I think Lucas was a talented filmmaker at one time. Well, it, it's all <laughs> no. about creativity through adversity because he couldn't always get the first thing he wanted back then, so he had to come with ideas and solutions. Oh, shit. I, I just saw Betty Ford die, but I thought it was Betty White. Okay, never mind. Uh, yeah, but the thing is, nobody, nobody will say no to him now. He can do whatever he wants, and it sucks. I mean, like Indiana Jones four, I blame that on Lucas, not Spielberg. Spielberg's well, that even 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 Spielberg said that he kept on saying no until Lucas begged him to do it. <laughs> In the commentary for uh, Indiana Jones four, he says that. So, <laughs> yeah, that's not a surprise. I've heard it. I saw it happen. So wait, you guys think the Wii U is going to be a smash hit, or you asked me about it? Um, no, I, I'm indifferent on me. it. No, it's uh, our guests on that mini so thought it was going to be a smash hit and oh my god there's the goddamn giant screaming lizard why the fuck did they give obi-wan kenobi a goddamn giant screaming lizard <laughs> the, the, the funniest thing is the scene that he was in before that said he's going to have to use stealth and then he, he's riding on this giant goddamn screaming lizard i like the uh juxtaposition on red letter media where uh tech of the clones he gives anakin his lightsaber he's like this weapon is your life and then it cuts to war stop make one great and they cut back and forth there like four times and then you know, there's even like there's like it was like Obi Wan says for over a thousand generations the Jedi's have been the guardians of peace and you know justice in the galaxy. And then in part in part two, 
uh, Palpatine says for a thousand years this empire has stood. It's like, because they didn't even read their own fucking shit. Well, for, for for me is this: I always pictured, I never pictured Jedi as a peacekeeping force in the in the Republic or the Empire, or whatever the fuck it was. I always pictured them like Freemasons. That's how I always pictured them before. So they're Henry Ford? No, I pictured them like they were a secret society that made sure that there were no really, really bad guys, and you know they, and they they keep quiet and they they aren't like Jedi business. I think that you know what what really failed. And is, I, um, I think they had like real day jobs, like you know there was none of this priest monk bullshit. I think I, that's how I picture them. I picture them like you know <laughs> a secret society of peacekeepers. That I think that would have worked better because they always try to. In the prequels, it's like, well, the, the fans like Jedi, so everybody's a Jedi. But you know, there are hardly any Jedi things at all in the in the in the real Star Wars movies. I mean, it's really Han Solo. You know, that's what they really missed. And, the, and, like, the, uh, and the thing that pissed me off is this: you, number one, a, a religion doesn't die in one fucking generation. And Han, from Han Solo's dialogue, the Jedi religion is almost dead. The, the, not even the Jedi religion; the Force religion is almost dead. So that 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 goes hand in hand with what I was saying about secret society because that implies that it's not widely celebrated. It just simply is something that's, you know, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, what they do, you know, again, what they do with the prequels is, you know, and again, Red Letter Media brings up a very good point. They jack off over the things that the fans like, like Jedis and Darth Vader, when that wasn't really what Star Wars was about back in the day. You know what's the funniest thing for me is, uh, is in – in episode four, you have Obi-Wan and Luke dress a certain way. And you know what they're dressed like? They're dressed like what you have to be comfortable in to be in the desert. And and then in the – god damn it, where's Ben Heck? You there? Oh, did we lose this? Hello? No, we still got you, but oh, – like It said, must in, have been my porn dialer. In, in episode four, in episode four, you have Obi-Wan and, uh, and Luke dressed a certain way. You know what style dress they're dressed in? To be comfortable in the fucking desert. And right. then you have in the prequels, every, all the Jedi dressed like they're supposed to be in the fucking desert. And I call bullshit on that. I'm like, why, oh, are, they dressed to be, why yeah. are they dressed to be in the desert? Well, anybody who thinks he wrote all six movies out and then made part four to begin with is an idiot. Because bullshit. Yeah, yeah. I, I read the I read the Chronicles of Cain the Star Killer, so so I know what really happened. It was completely different for one thing. I mean yeah. it was yeah, it's just weird to see stuff like uh, THX 1138, and I don't know what happened to that George Lucas. Well, what happened was he was kidnapped right after uh, Return of oh, the Jedi. God. And What about his Red Tails movie? You hear about that thing? Uh, have you seen that movie trailer, uh, George Lucas Strikes Back? Yeah, I do. The plot of this movie is George Lucas was kidnapped after uh, after Return of the Jedi, and uh, and he was replaced by a duplicate that made all the shitty movies. <laughs> Yeah, because I hate this revisionist th- – uh, you know, like when you're a kid and you love Return of the Jedi, and then once you're like you know, 25 and you're on the internet, you, you find out that you were supposed to hate it? You know, what, what I love what, – <laughs> what I hate about Return of the Jedi is uh, they, they fucking – they were so disrespectful for the man who played Darth Vader for the first time by replacing his head with Hayden fucking Christensen. Well, that's oh, not that, 1983 Return of the Jedi's problem or fault. Yeah. So that's okay, so, yeah. So then, why does Hayden Christensen look like a young man, but everyone else looks at the age they were when they died? Hmm? Well, that's because that that was the spirit he was in when he was still good, or some bullshit. I don't know. I don't talk apologist. He looks evil. You you take a look at the original scene, and you'll see that this old Anakin Skywalker is really happy to see his, you know, his son one last time. Yeah, and all that. 
Uh, however, this new Photoshop, Hayden Christensen is like, yeah, I'm gonna kill everyone here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he looks really look sinister. And then, and then, and then <laughs> they replace they put replaces. You know, it's not the greatest song ever, but they replace this happy tribal, happy go lucky celebration song with this. And then they show I, and they show I didn't all this. Think that was so bad. And then so, they show the celebrations to all the locations that were going to be in the prequels. You oh, know, yeah. what, what, the, wor- the worst thing about the um, the Redux Star Wars is in the first the first Star Wars movie, the real Star Wars movie, A New Hope, which is still my favorite. Yeah, that's right. Not only do I not like Mars Attacks, but I also think Star Wars is the best Star Wars movie. You, you know what the it's, problem with the, the Han shoots first thing is? It's not supposed to be Han shoots first. It's oh, no, Han no, no. shoots. Han. Period. I'm not. I'm, that's not even my. That's not even my least favorite part. So when they're attacking the Death Star, it's like it's like gut shut up for your attack, run. It's like then the guy's like yeah. Then Luke looks out his window, right? <laughs> and the original movie is like a firecracker is being set off on the model. It's a terrible effect, you know. You know the shot I'm thinking about? Yeah. Yeah, they didn't change of all the shit they changed. They left that in when they get no, it. No, no. The thing is, they added this whole dance sequence to Return of the Jedi, but they didn't remove the big, thick black mask line on the fucking Grandcore. Oh yeah, or or the or the nipple slip on the dancer that he throws <laughs> yeah. down into the pit. Yeah, like I said, they could they could have fucking taken five minutes, like some graphic designer, not take a lunch break one day and remove the goddamn black thick line on the Rancor, but they're like, no, we need to spend all our time adding this dance sequence with CGI you know, well, characters. Probably, they, they probably, they, they must have lost the, um, the see, when they did, the, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, until like the, uh, I'd say around 1993, all the uh, chroma key work with movies was done with uh, chemicals, right? Yeah. It actually used chemicals to remove the color in the background and once they started doing digital uh, digital chroma key, it looked a lot better, like with movies like True Lies and uh, Forrest Gump. Um, but yeah, so you know maybe what happened was they actually didn't have the um, original blue screen dupe of the Rancor, therefore they actually had to use the original composite. I know, but they could they could they could have they could have photoshopped that line thinner. Yeah, yeah. Well, you hear that when the uh, they want to make those movies in 3D now because George Lucas apparently doesn't have enough money, right? <laughs> So, so. He, needs, he needs more flannel, damn it. <laughs> anyway, so I guess I guess like if nobody goes to see Phantom Menace, they might not do the rest of them. Yeah, it's I, I just I just hate what the man's done because I can't believe this is the same man that was against Ted Turner color colorizing, calling it revisionist, and then now look what he's doing. Yes! Or th- this this whole like um 3Dification, <laughs> like James Cameron rips on 3D post conversion, but it's okay when he does it for Titanic, which comes out next year. Yeah, it's the hypocrisy that bugs me the yes, most about exactly. George Lucas. I hate that. Well, it's not just him; other people too. Yeah, but you're right. George Lucas was testifying against Ted Turner back in the '80s against this shit. So it's okay if it's your own work. It's like once you make these movies and the public has paid you hundreds of millions of dollars because they like them. Guess what? I mean, maybe I'm I'm not trying to think of Karl Marx or anything because I certainly am not, but. The movie belongs to the world at that point, not you. And I love, I love the fact that he's so pompous, saying, "Oh, those old versions don't exist anymore." Bullshit. He's still got Christmas special in his vault. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here to make every dream come true, Scratchy. You know what? You know what? The, you know what the funniest thing about the Christmas special is uh, the the part where where Han Solo is in the Millennium Falcon pilot flying Chewie home. It's like it's like you could tell. You could tell that uh, Harrison Ford is actually giving his all, and then as soon as he walks into the uh, Wookiee world set, you can tell he's like, oh, shit, I've walked into a TV special. 
don't worry, Chewie, I'll get you home on time. <laughs> and then he walks in and he's like, oh, God. I belong in a museum. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. You can just sort of see his face deflate and he's like, oh, I realize where I am. Oh, he doesn't he go in and he's like, he's gone. Like, because he throws the stormtrooper off the ledge and, of course, he goes, aye, Willaheim scream. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> well, I got to check something here real quick. Uh, okay. I'm glad you agree about that. That's just, wow. About what? George Lucas. <sighs> yeah, I can't talk all bad because I, I, I did, I, I did, I built something for LucasArts a couple months ago, but. Um, well, it was, was it, was it some, was it a prop that's actually really a bomb designed to go off as soon as George Lucas gets close enough for it? Oh, dude, that's not cool. <laughs> so you have to save cinema, man. You have to save it. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to save it. <laughs> well, you know what bugs me is in the Empire Strikes Back special edition commentary, they spend all this time talking about how, uh, number one, I'm okay with them fixing the uh, the transparency issue with the uh, with the snow speeders cockpits right. because that's that's good. Okay, that's well, good. They, I'm okay the, with they had they had that they had that transparency. So they would avoid the mat lines in the first place. That's yeah. why they did it in the first place. Yeah, but number two is when they were talking about the the uh, Wampa snow creature and, you know, showing the monster versus not showing the monster. And he's, and George Lucas actually admits people have told me it's more creative than not show the monster, but you know, I wanted to show the monster. Right. That's, right. That's purely an art decision. I, I don't have an opinion either way. But... Well, you say that because it's actually a, it's actually a real practical effect. Yeah. And it doesn't, it doesn't, it actually does not look bad. It just, well, that's because it it's a real, it's written. a real man in a puppet suit versus, well, at least at least he left Empire more or less alone, since he knows it wasn't his movie. Well, he just he just flapped his turkey neck and went, oh, I'm gonna get shit if I do more to this. So I'm just well, he, well, he did have those windows. That, he did have those windows that make, were places where they don't make sense, right, Neil? Well, what, what, what part is that? You remember the shot with the windows with that that they added, with, which would make oh, it? oh yeah, <laughs> you have to have a keen eye to, to catch that, but. Uh, they're walking through the hallway in uh, in the Cloud City, and there's this big elaborate shot of like the of the windows and all this all this activity outside. And then they walk in to find Darth Vader. the The camera swings back, and there's a wall there. <laughs> it could be a blast shield. <sighs> I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> what about close the blast doors? Oh yeah, yeah. Because they, 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 they thought that would make no sense if they just had the blast doors closing for no reason when they're trying to tra- trap somebody they're chasing. Yeah, at some point, you just have to let go. I mean, And then, and, and then was... tell tell my Star Destroyer to prepare for my arrival in a very non-James uh, Earl Jones voice. Oh, we didn't. Uh, I mean, wasn't it Ben Burt who said movies aren't released, they escape? You know, like whatever, whatever, however, however much you're done with the movie, that's what people see. And I, I know, but I'm just saying that that totally killed the pacing of that part with tell my star destroyer to prepare for my arrival. <laughs> Come yeah. on, you know, I'm right. The, the, the pacing in that scene was all actiony and dramatic. And then you cut a, short, a, a slow shot of Vader walking in the hallway. What about the part where he's like, he will come to me? It's like <laughs> also very out of character. <laughs> I'm a big pussy now. I also hate sand. Still, <laughs> it gets everywhere. <laughs> You're everything that's soft and smooth. Uh-uh. Anakin, you just murdered a bunch of people. I love you. Also, <laughs> I'm a black swan. <laughs> uh, 
It's yeah. almost like Tourette's man. Bitch, I love you. <laughs> you, you know about Tourette's oh, man, right? Oh. <laughs> so which one of you is that wrote the Possumous Woman review? Is that Neil? That, that would be me, yeah. Yes. Yeah, your review is very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna we're gonna make a sequel in 2021, every 13 years. Yes. <laughs> it's it's we're either it's either gonna be like we're either gonna rip off Westworld or Planet of the Apes with the next one. Oh God. So we're, we're leaning toward Westworld. What about Beyond Westworld? There's a sequel to Westworld. It, the ending is the best part, where basically they're gonna replace these reporters with robots. And then it turns out that the reporters escaped and the reporters are walking towards the plane about to tell everybody what really happened. And while the reporter's walking away and the bad guy sees it, so sees it, he's far away that he can't stop him. The reporter just keeps on doing the up yours motion over and over again slowly as he's walking on the plane. Hmm. That scene made the movie. It's been a while since I saw it. I remember Yul Brynner was in it. No, that's, that's, that's Westworld. I'm talking about beyond Westworld. Oh, beyond Westworld. Wait, there was Westworld, but there's a sequel called Beyond Westworld? Yes. And like I said, that's the best part, just that part at the end when the where the guy's walking away and he's doing the up yours motion like repeatedly very slowly. <laughs> like <laughs> uh, It's worth seeing just for that. Oh, I gotta text my friend here. Uh... <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, well, uh, anything else you guys want to go over, or... Well, let, let's see here, oh. uh, let's, well, I'll let Neil well, there, there is, po- there is Posthumous Woman. Basically, my, my, uh, appraisal... Uh, hold on that. one second. Uh, okay. I'll be on in a second, Parker. Okay, yep. Okay, basically, my appraisal of it was that it was kind of like, uh, kind of like Carnosaur, but also... Oh, it, yes, it, it's, it's a Garage very... Corbin movie, you haven't seen that. <laughs> yeah, it's... <laughs> It's oh, very, you're not you're it's, not you're not going to insult me, so I don't care what you say. No, it's not. No, it's not a. No, it's definitely the most loving thing. I, loving thing I could have said about it because it's so it's so wonderfully awful. <laughs> well, that's the best it's, kind of awful there is. It's, uh, <laughs> it's there's definitely a Midwest style humor there. I recognize a lot of the uh, the style of phrases that he uses in the movie. And was there a Ludafesque? Mm, oh, you yeah. haven't seen it, Ben? It's the greatest movie ever. I yeah, know, but it's... but the, the the one hint it takes place in the, in the Midwest is Ludafesque. Ludafesque? What's that? It is it is whitefish cured in lye. That sounds Norwegian. It is. Hmm. But anyway, it, it, it's it's a, it's I'm told it's a delicacy in the Midwest. Ah, uh, not that's cheese curds and beer. <laughs> uh, it's got it's got all of these uh all these like. It's definitely inspired by old action movies with uh, <laughs> the, the the cheesy the cheesy corny uh, dialogue choices like uh, they're they're walking through the forest and uh, the one and Ben's like Ben's like uh, hey uh, what did, what have you been doing since you quit the resort like a loser and he's like well I'm the sole proprietor of uh, the rustic regions rodent relocation program and he's like where do where do you relocate them to <laughs> I send them to hell. <laughs> Oh, that reminds me. Are you going to see that 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 that, that new uh, uh, Nicholas Cage piece of shit, uh, Drive Angry? Oh, that. Well, oh, that's on a video now. It's like not really new. Well, I've just recently heard about it. So, yeah, it came out like in uh, February. Apparently, it's like a good shitty movie, like possibly. <laughs> <laughs> so, Neil, we filmed we filmed a, a scene for Possibus Woman three last year. This could be a flashback. 
right? So yeah. when <laughs> when the actual when Posthumus three is actually filmed, the character in it will look eleven years younger because they will be. Oh, uh, here's a question for you: uh, What is the best worst Nicolas Cage movie? Well, Wicker Man's pretty bad. Not the bees. Oh, my eyes. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't that, he like, yeah, I think he punches at least two women in that movie. Three. It's pretty insane. He actually, he threw one woman against the wall. Actually, he karate kicks her into a wall. Lily Sorbisky was in that movie, right? Yeah, my favorite part is when he is wearing a goddamn bear suit and runs up to a woman and decks her. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's Nicolas Cage in a bear suit. Yeah, yeah. He's kind of fallen from grace, I guess. Oh, one of my favorite retrailers of a movie is someone made a retrailer of Wicker Man as a comedy. <laughs> Wait, it wasn't? <laughs> no, no, no. As a robot <laughs> comedy, and they used it as a song for the trailer, I'm Walking on Sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> is that like Must Love Jaws? <laughs> no, it's it's almost as good as make as the trailer that made, uh, that made The Shining a family movie. Oh, I've, I've seen that. I've seen that. Almost as good as Mary Poppins as a horror movie. <laughs> I haven't seen that one. I'm walking on sunshine. Oh. You get it. They have good love in there. That's another. That's another atypical or typical movie trailer song. Yeah. Yeah. No, the original Wicker Man was a movie with Christopher Lee. Actually, yeah, he's like he's like ah, oh, him the Wicker Man. No, Christopher Christopher Lee <laughs> agreed to be in the original Wicker Man for free because he liked the script that much. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, I've never seen that one. Well, hey guys, I uh, I'm going to play some Battlefield here with my friends, so I probably should head out. Okay, oh. it, it was great to have you. If you love any other animated stuff, let us know, and we will have you back. Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, uh, I kind of miss doing the podcast that I used to do, so any sort of yeah, it's fine by me. Just let me know and stuff. And uh, I'm I'm told that you actually that your your format's very similar to ours, where we just basically you know shoot the breeze and very comfortable breezy. Well, our format was very similar to yours because we haven't done one in a coon's age. But uh, <laughs> I know people complain to my said like, why don't you podcast anymore? It's like, Jesus Christ, we do a show for you every two weeks. What do, what do you want, blood? They want Jones and Dale to come back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we tried to have Jones as the co-host on the show, but it, it got the kibosh. Now, what they want you to do is they want you to fit a PS3 in a handheld. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that sounds like what they'd say. And it has oh. to run on two AA batteries. <laughs> anyway, sounds like oh, oh Neil, I got, I got, yeah. I got. Before I go, I got to tell you about the movie idea that I, I thought about filming this summer, but I, I didn't. Okay, you ready? Yes. It was called Brain Deer, right? Yeah. So here's the plot. So I, I watched the movie uh, Deep Blue Sea, which was terrible, right? It's like why yes. would you, why would you make sharks smarter? So I'm like, I know. Car insurance companies could make deer smarter so they wouldn't get killed in cars and cause, you know, like non-liability accidents. So, of course, they become evil and start killing people. What do you think? Um, Make it a a moose and it'd be more believable because moose are already fucking evil. But but brain deer sounds like reindeer. So it's it's allegedly funny. Okay, but 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 make the make the deer's leader uh, an evil moose. Oh, and and the gag at the end, the last the last deer at the end of the movie before it kills the woman or whatever. Which of course is gonna be like Terminator. Because don't tell anyone, possumus woman was just Terminator with a possum. (laughs) It gets it gets hit by a car. That's how it dies. But then it turns out she's like, oh thank you, thank you, you saved me from the killer deer. And then the car door opens and. A deer is in it. 
So it's like Planet of the Deer. No, no, no. Make, 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 uh, make an elk drive the car. No, elk, no, no, no. It's got to be a deer because oh, okay. rained elk. I mean, that's not funny. But, but have the, yeah. but actually, reindeer are elk. Oh, yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I don't care about science. I just care how it sounds yeah. on a poster. Okay, this, fine. This is someone who thinks like a sunbow rider, Ben. <laughs> science, what's that? Gravity? Not in space. But I, 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 do, I do miss it. I mean, you know, I got to give sunbow riders some credit because Buzz Dixon has one of the greatest names in all time. Uh, we did a, we did a, when we were doing Possible with Neil, um, I did a, I did a prop for uh, the movie. I hope they serve beer in hell. And actually, the prop I made more on the prop than Possumus Woman cost. So I guess that was like how I funded it. You know, because where else would I find eight hundred thirty dollars? Obviously. So, uh, so beer in hell, huh? So that's that's what uh, that's what Leonidas dined on in hell. No, no, there was a movie called I Hope They Serve Beer in Hell, and I made some props for it. Yeah, I was making I was making a three hundred joke. Oh, okay, I get it. I think they're making a sequel to that too, aren't they? For some reason. Yeah, because you know, right after Leonardo's dies and stuff, I don't know. It's the the, the three hundred movies. No, it's, it's a prequel. It's a no, prequel. No, the funny thing about the three hundred movies is the three hundred movies based off the three hundred comic book, which was based off of Frank Wood, Frank uh, Miller. One night on cable watching 300 Spartans. <laughs> yeah. That's well, exactly what happened. Yeah, it makes sense. But the actual the actual uh, story of Thermopylae has some of the best goddamn quotes ever. Like, uh, you know, when, when the Spartans were asked to lay down their weapons, Leonidas really did historically say, come and get them. And did, did, did he say that we will dine in hell or whatever? No, no, but when, when the... When the uh, when the uh, Persian uh, messenger says uh, our arrows will blow out the sun, one of Leonidas's lieutenants actually did say, "Then we will fight in the shade." For real? Yes. Did, did, then, then did the Persian king say, "I am kind," or whatever the hell happened? No, no. But but those two lines really happened. Huh. Cool. Neil, if you want to roll in Possum Three in ten years, just let me know. Okay. Yeah, because I'm actually not that far away. Yeah, because. <laughs> We're we're gonna we're gonna you know we we only spent our I only spent eight hundred and thirty dollars on that movie. Can you believe that? Wow. Because I, I didn't pay for the ammo in the big shootout scene. That was BYO ammo. So I saved a lot of I saved like at least three hundred dollars in that scene. Well, hey guys, I got to take a leak and head out here. But yeah, thanks for having okay. me, and it was good talking about animation and stuff. Yeah, it was great to have you. Yeah. Sure, no Thank problem. You very much. Yeah, I'll catch you guys later. Good luck with your podcast. All right. All right. Bye. 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 people have come to my old resort. Guess I should have never sold the place. Yeah, a bunch of campers and stuff. Little do they know that long ago was ravaged by a giant killer possum. And maybe, once again. Uh, well, gentlemen, this is it. Your base of operations. Should have everything up here you need to kill the possum thing. You got some guns here and a canteen. Over here, there's a TV. It's not hooked up to anything, but you're more than welcome to call the cable company. Oh, there's some life preservers. 
one or two of them might actually float. And uh, back here, we've even got a, a bar. It used to be fully stocked, but this little operation is going to be BYOB. Oh, also, you'll have to buy your own ammunition. Any questions? Yeah, you told us where all the killings and incidents took place, correct? What we need is a computer, so we can plot those points on a map and triangulate where the possum might be. God, I don't think I have it in the budget to buy a computer. But don't you make any money? I didn't answer that question for the IRS, and I'm sure as hell not going to answer it for you. We had a kid in here a couple years ago, some geeky intern, did some crap with computers, I don't know. Had to fire him once he started asking for money, but there might be some parts left over you can make something out of. Besides, what do you need a computer for? It's a possum! The shooting! End of story! I'm not paying you guys to sit around and look at porn all day. In fact, I'm not paying you until you bring me that possum's head on a freaking stick! Well, have fun guys. I'm out of here. Kill the possum. Soon as possible. Then you'll get paid. But not too much. Enjoy! What a loser. this jerk? I don't know. You guys work at this resort? Uh, it depends. Well, actually, we were hired freelance by Sal Salazar. Not free. Well, might as well be. He hasn't paid us yet. <laughs> anyway, we're here to clean up a little rodent problem of his. Who are you, and why are you here? Uh, it's not really important to you. What I do need to know, though, is have you seen this girl? Hmm. Can't say as I have. Who is she? Uh, she's a person of great importance to people in Washington. Washington? That's where the president lives. Are you sure? I think so. I saw it on television. So anyway, if you guys see her, I need you to give me a call. Is there any money? Uh, it's possible, but you know, budgets are tight these days. Alright, well we'll give you a call if we see you. In the meantime, we've got work to do. Alright, your nation's counting on you. <laughs> I see some chick in the woods, I'm not calling that loser. Yeah, tell me about it. What a dog. So, Johnny, what have you been doing since you quit Rustic Resort like a loser? Uh, I'm the sole proprietor. Yeah? The Rustic Regions Rodent Relocation Services. Relocation services? Where do you relocate them to? I sent them to hell. Oh, Johnny, that's terrible. I really thought you knew better than... Oh my god! It's an endangered sand crane. I haven't seen one of those in years. <laughs> Look, Grady! Dinner! 